highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Thank you, Mean Gene. I'm with the reigning intercontinental champion, the old... You are nothing but a normal. You don't deserve to breathe the same air that I and Hulk Hogan do. Hulk Hogan, I must ask you now, as you ask me, do you, Hulk Hogan, want your ideas, your beliefs, to live forever? For Hulk Hogan, in this normal world, physically, none of us can live forever. But the places you have taken the Hulkamaniacs, the ideas and the beliefs you have given them, can live through me, Hulk Hogan. That is why I breathe. That is why the warriors have come. Hulk Hogan, there are ones that question where you are taking them. Do you no longer want to walk or step into that darkness? Hulk Hogan, the darkness I speak of is nothing to fear. It is about the beliefs accepting any and all challenges at the cost of losing everything, Hulk Hogan. You have lived, Hulk Hogan, for the last five WrestleManias for this one belief. Now, Hulk Hogan, I come to take what you believe in further than you ever could. I come, Hulk Hogan, not to destroy the Hulkamaniacs and Hulkamania. I come, Hulk Hogan, to bring the warriors and Hulkamaniacs together as one. As we, Hulk Hogan, accept all the challenges with all the strengths of the warriors and the Hulkamaniacs together. Hulk Hogan, the colors of the Hulkamaniacs I'm coming through the pores of my skin. And Hulk Hogan, when we meet Hulk Hogan, I will look at you, and you will realize then that I have come to do no one no harm, but only Hulk Hogan to take what we both believe in to places it shall never Hulk Hogan, the greatest World Wrestling Federation champion of all time. Here we are at WrestleMania 6. The waiting's over. Here comes the ultimate challenge. You know something, Mean Gene? You don't have to remind me and my Hulkamaniacs that at Sky Dome, we're going to face the ultimate challenge, brother. When we crossed the border from the United States of America to Canada, I was hovering over Sky Dome, brother. I saw what was beneath me, man. I saw the greatest arena of all times where the ultimate challenge will take place. And as we landed, brother, nothing but stark raving Hulkamaniacs were there to greet me at the airport. Nothing but positive vibes, man. Hulkamania is running wild like it's never ran before. But the ultimate warrior. You must realize that when you step in the Sky Dome, when you feel the energy that's going to run wild throughout the arena, those are my people. That's my energy, brother. And Ultimate Warrior, this is where the power lies, man. In the power of the Hulkster, the largest arms in the world. And once I get you down on your knees, Ultimate Warrior, I'm going to ask you one question, brother. I'm going to ask you, do you want to live forever? 
And if your answer is yes, Ultimate Warrior, then breathe your last breath into my body. I can save you. My Hulkamaniacs can save you. We can turn the darkness that you live in into the light. We can save all your little warriors with the training, the prayers, and the vitamins. But I gotta prove one thing to all my Hulkamaniacs out there. It's not whether you win or whether you lose. The only thing that matters is what kind of winner you are or what kind of loser you are. And Ultimate Warrior, I sure hope you're a good loser, brother. What you gonna do at Sky Dome when the largest arms in the world in Hulkamania destroys you? All right, the time is now, Hulkster. Thank you. Welcome to the 24-Inch Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. My name is Steve Bennett. With me is... Paula Bennett. And Dave Rollins will join us in a few minutes from Kearney, North Carolina. North Carolina? He moved to North Carolina? No, he's in New Jersey. Kearney, New Jersey. Silly mistake. Paul, what's going on, baby? What's new in the world? Nothing much, but next weekend is dance pictures. You're getting your dance pictures? Yeah. What's coming up? My birthday. Your dance recital. Yeah. And yeah, your birthday. birthday. What songs are you dancing to this year? Pull it up with my crew. Okay. No. This dance something dance. With okay. Dance something. Pull it up. Yeah, pull it with my crew. Okay. Um. I'm still standing, chilling like a villain. Mm, good. Here Sounds like some good sun. ones. Do, 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 do. And pump up the jam. Oh, wow. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. And Ultimate Idiot. Oh. Hulk is here. Hulk it. and the Ultimate Idiot are here because today on the show, what are we covering? Oh. WrestleMania what? Six. WrestleMania six. The and Ultimate my friend, Challenge. My blue friend that I just found today, I can air. And who was at WrestleMania six? Daddy. That's right. I was there live in person. Dave and I are going to go through it later. And Bunny's here with me. Paula's got all kinds of guests. She's got her bunny, her balloon, and we got the ultimate idiot and Hulk Hogan Hasbro's. We had LJN's last time, Hasbro's this time. But yeah, big show His today. Heads can pop. His head can pop out. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, later on the show today, Dave and I are going to go over the Sky Dome, the history of the Sky Dome. We'll give a bio of the Ultimate Warrior. We're also going to find out where Hulk was after WrestleMania the 6. Ultimate idiot, you mean. Yes, I do mean that. In April of 1990. We'll go through all the WrestleMania 6 card. We'll go through Hogan and Warrior, blow for blow. We'll give grades. Rankings. We'll read emails at the very end. Not, I have emails. Paula's got emails here in the beginning. But before we get to Dave, we've got to spend a few minutes um, with Paula. Paula, 
you and I have been watching what WWF show recently? It's come back. Hidden Treasures. Hidden Treasures. And how do you like it? Really cool. Can you talk into the mic and pay attention to the interview here? Yes, but they're trying to find them, trying to break them up. Okay. Done. I'm going to... There you go. All right. Do you enjoy Hidden Treasures? Yes. Whose treasures have they been looking for so far? Um, The bad guys and... Um, Stone Cold. Stone Cold. I think they're going to do Hulk this year. We're hoping for a Hulk episode, right? Not, we don't hope for an Ultimate Idiot episode. <laughs> no. That's for sure. What is the Ultimate Idiot? Does he have something to say? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> yes, you are. No, I'm not. All right, what about Hulk? Does he have anything to say? He's an idiot and... Eat. Let me tell you something, brother. And um, he's an idiot, technically. That warrior's an idiot, brother. I'm going to win the ultimate challenge, dude. Be quiet. <laughs> what about the balloon? Does the balloon have anything to say? Stay do you have any emails this week? All three of them are here. Okay, let's hear them. All right, well, I didn't think Bunny talked. Hello. Bunny, what's your email? I wanted to know if everybody wants to come to my daughter's Paula's birthday party in a wrestling. Yeah. All right, yeah, we'll, we'll invite the listeners. Any listeners who'd like to come to Paula's seventh birthday party? Give us a call or email us. Email. Two, two four inch podcasters. Wait, no. Two four inch podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up if you want to come to the party. And Bunny Tony. What is your favorite wrestling boots? Oh, it's got to be Sheiky Babies with the cool curled toes that he would load up. Yeah. That's my answer. You got a different answer? Well, my answer is Hulk Hogan because sometimes they're red and blue, sometimes they're just red. It's right. really cool. Yellow. Yellow. Yeah. So he had cool boots. Good call. All my right. Favorite. Any other emails or questions this week? What has Hulk got? What's my favorite? Sh- what's your f- my favorite? What's your favorite shirt? My favorite wrestling shirt. Hmm, that's a good one. I think I'll go with the classic, the Austin. No, I'll go with Hulk Rules. Hulk Rules 1, Austin 316 2, and um, the What shirt as well from Austin. But I like the the Hulkster's Hulk Rules shirt, number one for sure. Hulkamania Forever is good too. Do you have a favorite shirt? I know what shirt is not my favorite. The Ricky Steamboat yellow shirt they used to sell. Or the British Bulldog shirt that had a three-quarter sleeve for some reason. I always wanted to get a shirt of Bulldogs or Steamboat, but they always had the hideous yellow one and the three-quarter arm one, which I hated. So those are my least favorite. Any other questions? Come on, idiot. I'm not an idiot. Stop <laughs> saying that. Good question, warrior. Proving our point. All right, does your balloon have a question? Did you? How many What's your favorite balloon at your birthday parties? Um, the one that had my age on it. The one that had the number on it. That was always my favorite. What's your favorite? Um, technically the one that I have. Mm. 
Okay, anything else you want to say to the listeners today? Oh, wait. No, I got a quick question for you. I want to get real quick. We watched a couple of ma- matches recently. Yeah. I just want to give you, you to give me a thought and a rating out of one to five. Okay, we rewatched from WrestleMania 18, Hulk Hogan versus The Rock at the Sky Dome. Yes. What would you think of that one? Talk in the mic. Just tell us what you thought of it, and then you can rate it at the end. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked how, like, Hulk... Hulk, like, Hulk up, like, a lot of times, I would think. And, like, the Bret Hart was, like, moving. He was on top. He was, like, drowsing. Bret Hart. The Rock, you mean? Yeah. Okay, The Rock. I accidentally had that other match that we were watching stuck in my head. Okay. <laughs> remember the Hulk and that, that Rivals, we were watching Rivals. Yeah, no, when we were watching the matches during Snack, yeah. remember we watched Hulk and The Rock? Yeah, Hulk and... Can I read you mine? Just keep going. Remember the crowd was going crazy? Yeah. And first they were cheering for him. Then they were cheering for Hulk. And I don't like his bad guy beard. It's hideous. Yeah, you do not like that black beard that Hulk wears, right? No. No, that's no good. What's wrong with it? (laughs) It's gross beard, Hulk. Gross. Yeah. It looks like poop went on your face. One to five. What do you give that match? Um... Four? A 100 out of 100. 100 out of 100. All right, you like that one. And the other one we watched was the retirement match. The ultimate idiot versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Remember that one? A warrior wins at the end, and then Elizabeth comes running out. And she cries. And she cries. What did you think of that match? I thought it was okay. Okay. Which one did you like better, that one or Hulk versus Rock? Uh, I would take that one like one out of zero. What? The retirement match. You thought it was zero stars? Two out of zero. Two out of five? Two out of five. Why? Because you didn't like that Warrior one? Is that why? No, I just... Because that's considered one of the all-time great matches. You didn't like it, though, huh? That's not like my favorite. Okay, maybe a five out of thirteen. Oh, all right. Anything oh, else? Out of thirteen. Okay. Anything else you want to mention? Well, I one of my um three my friends in my girls group that I have at lunch. Yeah. They want to give an email. Well, you can do one from them. So the first one is Aubrey. Okay, Aubrey. What's Aubrey wondering? Is she a big eighties wrestling fan? Her dad is. Okay, that works. What's the question? She said this. What is your favorite wrestler music? Oh, wow, that's a good question. There's a lot of good ones, but Real American's number one. But I also like, can I tell you some other ones I like? Real American's my favorite. But I also love Steamboat, Serious by the Ellen Parsons Project. I also love Honky Tonk Man's song. I also love Jive Soul Bro. I also like um, Bret Hart's dun, 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 and I like dun, 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 Stone Cold. So there's a lot I like, but Real American number one forever. Okay, American Girl and the American. Yeah, Real American. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've <laughs> you got American girls in your head. Yeah. Yes. All right, Real American. That your number one. 
Yes. And what and else? one of my other ones. Probably think this is funny, but Undertaker's music. Ding. I've been into Wednesday, so that's... <laughs> well, one quick story I'll tell about you when you were a kid, when you were a baby. Yeah. If you were crying in the car, sometimes the only way to get you to be quiet is to play the Honky Tonks theme. <laughs> and you would sing along to that, and then you'd be quiet and not cry when you were like two or three years old. And that's my second one. That's my I got third. Pegasus beside me. Colonel's in the back, coming to your town in my... Cadillac. Just a Honky Tonk, man. That's your third. Because um, now that I'm getting a little older, I'm, I watched a one-day movie by accident. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if we were like 15-year-olds. Wednesday on Netflix, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. And I'm dying to watch Megan, but Mom says, you're too scared. Yeah. Good call by Mom, I think. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there? Yes. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Dave Rollins. Paula? <laughs> Bye-bye. Sweetheart in American Girl Doll Rule. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the 24 Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 Years in the Making. You can find it on Twitter at sports underscore caster or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. I want to thank the lovely Paula Bennett for spending some time with us today. Now we've got to introduce the one and only, fresh from a weekend at '80s Wrestling Con with our man JAD. Let's have a warm twenty-four inch podcast. Welcome, Sopranos Town, USA, Hollywood. Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? You're too kind, Steve. Thanks for the warm welcome. And what a weekend it was, uh, '80s Wrestle Con. It's Christmas. For people like us, you know what I mean? And I got to uh, hang out all day with the illustrious John D'Amato. And, uh, of course, Chet was with me, his son Steven, my friend Jill, our friend Sergio, the Soups, minus Jerry. And uh, so we had a nice entourage of people there at WrestleCon. Uh, Before I get into telling some things or any questions, you want to ask me about it? Uh, no, not really. I mean, was it better or worse than last year's? I know last year you did enjoy it that much. Yeah, better. Way this year. better because I wasn't used to the venue last year. I liked I Play America better uh, where they used to have it because they had a bar, and this place doesn't. But we brought a cooler this year, oh, okay. so we made we made up for it that way. And um, it and last year it was pouring rain, and uh, this year is a beautiful day, so it just makes it a little better. It just makes you know, even though it's inside, it just makes the whole vibe of traveling and yeah we, you know get, you, get were there. you going in and out then kind of going out. oh yeah there's yeah. food truck outside and stuff like that actually outside at the food truck we're hanging out with mr hughes and uh some kids trying to get my attention because i'm facing one way and mr hughes facing the other and can you get it to mr hughes attention so i said excuse me uh curtis can you can you turn around um this young man is wants to speak to you 
And he goes, awesome outfit, man. He had no 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 clue who he was, you know, because Mr. Hughes was in his gimmick, was in a suit and tie. And Mr. Funny. Hughes just just looking at me, it's like Jesus Christ, these people, you know. And uh, yeah, the first person I went up to was Craig DeGeorge, because I've never met him before. Oh, ooh, and, la, la. let's talk about his daughter for five. You minutes. like his daughter? His son yeah. was there with him, and uh, I explained to him that hockey um, goalie. His son was a hockey goalie. Was he really? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I introduced myself to him, and um. I used to call him, I thought his name was Craig, the number two, and the word George when I was in first grade. He got, got a, he got a big Craig two George. He got a big kick out of that. So friendly. And I told him he, he was the first de- table that I came from. That's when he called, uh, excuse me, first table that I went to. He was, a, the, you know, the picture I wanted first. And he called his son over. I said, because Craig, you were like, you felt like you were one of us. You seemed like you were a teenager. So it's like really good to relate to you, you know, as a as a, a very young kid at that time, and I think a lot of kids related to Craig DeGeorge in that way. Um, for Peter Griffin, Peter uh, Griffin, Peter Winston, probably if he's listening, or we could tell him about the Warlord. I asked him uh, the famous Domino's question, Domino's Pizza question, when Gorilla Monsoon says all Warlord cares about is Domino's Pizza, and his answer was they were in Kentucky and he was starving. <laughs> at a house show and he called the pizzeria it was an hour away they were at some sea town or something and warlord said listen i'm in the wwf the warlord and they they recognized the name i'll give you a hundred dollar tip if you bring it so the pizza was delivered the warlord got it and then everybody came around the warlord trying to get a slice he said fuck this i gave this kid a hundred dollar tip this pizza's mine and andre got a big kick out of it the warlord said <laughs> and somehow new the you know the story got back to gorilla so that's why he he made that comment uh, i hung out with jameson a lot you know you remember jameson from the bobby heenan show yep, yep. and primetime wrestling cool as hell story after story back and forth oh my god um Teal Piper, Piper's daughter. I, I, uh, they were doing question and answers with deceased wrestler's daughter. Uh, I asked Amato, uh, Bossman's daughter was mean. I don't know if she was in gimmick, trying to be like a play a heel or something, but oof, I was afraid of her. I'm, nothing about the way she looked or anything like that, but she was just pissed. She looked the <laughs> entire time. But I told uh, Teal Piper a story about how Roddy told him that my grandmother got me into wrestling when I met Roddy in 2002 at a book signing at Planet Hollywood. And, um, and and Roddy, I told you my grandmother's no longer living in 2002, and I left the line, and Roddy called me back over and said, well, now your grandmother's gone, you take care of your mother. And that, you know, looked like Teal was going to break up when I, you know, when I said that to her, so that was really cool. Uh, God, um, I guess you probably saw more of the pictures. Mike McGurk was awesome, was awesome to talk to. We talked A little about bit of romance stories. I heard between you and McGurk. A little bit of romance, possible, yeah. possible, you know. We don't want we don't want to get Leroy uh, rolling over in his grave, but that's a rumor there. Uh, also, uh, Rita Chatterton was giving me the eye. Oh, nice! And uh, yeah, she was very very friendly. And uh, when we, me and Demato spoke spoke about Vince, we made sure we stepped stepped uh, stepped a few feet away from her before bringing up that name uh, around her or inviting her back to my car. Right. And um, yeah, and um, besides, no, but she was. She, I'm kidding. She was a very 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 nice lady. Mario Mancini knows us, you know, so we're talking to him. Oh, boy, I, I, there was so much. I'm not forgetting something something big. You know, the, I told the uh, Mr. Hughes story. You know, Brett, you know, I took pictures of him, but I'm not going to drop $100. Is that what he wanted for one it. picture? Yeah, and and people were in line for four hours, so you're like, you missed the whole convention. 
you know, like waiting in line. So he only can, person I, that's amazing. That. He can charge a hundred bucks and command a four-hour line. Yeah, that's, that's Brett, amazing. Man. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, only person I would do that for is Hulk. Even though I met him before, I wouldn't be able to be there with Hulk there and not and not do it. You but, almost uh, need to no, bring but, someone to stand in the line for you, so you can go to the convention. You know what I mean? You almost not a bad to, idea. You know, yeah. Someone who doesn't give a shit, maybe say like, "Hey, I'll buy you dinner if you come with me." And right, right, hang out in this line, and you know, you can take turns, but at least there's someone who. Uh, second year in a row, the karaoke didn't work out for me. I was telling Bill Apter to sign me up, but for some reason, the same thing as last year, they, it never works out. The, uh, the guy Mike, he does a really good Dusty Rhodes imperson- impersonation. He's great. He sang a couple songs, but uh, I couldn't get on the mic because you know so many things going on at, at once. You know what I mean? That's just like. You know, there goes the model that way. There goes Chet that way. Hey, Dave, come here. Hey, did you, you know, come over this the, way. Uh, the um, Jeopardy. I did not see it. No, I did. Okay. I, was, I was there all day too. That was there the whole time. Because I, I was wondering about that, like what the questions would be like. Would they be too hard, too easy? I don't even think know? they did it, brother. I, I, I don't because I would have liked to get involved with that. I, I, I had no recollection of that. Okay. And the MC, uh, I, I knew the MC of the event, Ryan too. And um, I, I have no recollection. Were, that was just something they were advertising. That there was I guess be I, I would think they did Jeopardy. it. Yeah, I know, I know, but shit falls through I... though. You know, they didn't write it or whatever. Fell through. Yeah, they get the interest. Who knows? But um, so I just it could have happened. Yeah. I, I just don't. I just didn't, you just see, didn't it. see it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and um, go ahead. I've always thought that this would be the perfect event for us, and we actually two years ago we paid a deposit to get a booth there, and then I got sick and we couldn't go. And Tommy, I mean. I, I don't know him from anything, you know, while he wasn't anxious to give that deposit back, which is fine. It's a deposit. That's his right. Yeah, um, you it's know, a deposit is, I guess. I don't yeah, know him like I used to. I mean, to. a little disappointing, I think, if someone says, yeah. look, it, I've been in the hospital for nine months, you know. And we were literally the first person to give him a deposit, too. But, like, again, that's his right. I'm not saying that he had to give it back or anything. He didn't burn us right. or anything well, like I don't that. Go to, it just hasn't, I don't go to the um, – It hasn't made the, me want to give him more money, you know. But maybe when the 90s wrestling con comes, since we're not as interested in it, per se, or maybe we could be. It depends what they focus on and who comes. But maybe it's a good – I mean, it's such a good opportunity. You figure, is there ever going to be a place where more people who would be interested in this show but might not know about it would be at the same time? I can't think of one. Right. You know? I, I told a few I told a few people about about the show as well. As well. Um, I think I told Craig to George uh, or Jameson, one of the, at least one of them. Because I was I was talking to them uh, quite both of them quite a bit. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Craig to George, he's never really done anything podcast wise, right? I know Sean Mooney did, and I like Sean Mooney's stuff. He did. George did guest on a lot. He guests, yeah, but yeah. I've never heard him doing his own thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, hell of a guy. Yeah, he does I, a lot of sports coverage. He's worked in sports yeah. down in um, in Florida, and his wife is an Emmy winning like newscast or well, his ex wife. The one that he has his kids with, the kids, his kids' mother's mother, what is uh, an Emmy-winning newscaster? You know, like uh, she reads the six o'clock news, like Chris, Christina Applegate and Ron Burgundy, right? Like she was right. one of those people. And he was in sports, and he he covered the Florida Panthers a lot when my man Pavel Bure was there, uh, and we talked about that a few times. He is a really cool kind of relatable guy if you reach out to him on social media or something like that did you have him on the sportscasters i never have but we've talked and stuff just about sports just kind of casually okay but yeah i should, yeah. I should get him on sometime very approachable guy very cool guy you know and then uh you know of course talking to demolition um the slaughter you know uh i go over showing my black hulkamania shirt you know the immortal slime you know all that kind of stuff 
And you know, you had all the cosplay, Macho Man's running around, and the cosplay genius was funny. Uh, you know, the Dusty Rhodes guy, I guess Mike, uh, is um, he's a really cool guy. And um, I'm probably forgetting something, you know what I mean? But I was great seeing D'Amato again. And uh, he got to meet Chad and, you know, and Soup and all the guys. And uh, it was just it was just a great day all around. We let, we didn't stay for the matches. We left. We went to uh, a bar in Clifton, New Jersey, to watch a Kentucky Derby. And a free buffet out there. Then we went straight from there to karaoke. So I guess you could kind of figure out what I felt like on Sunday. And I had a dinner guest. <laughs> oh, my. So, yeah. So, um Hollywood being Hollywood. Yeah. 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 But uh, I don't know. I'm hoping to take it easy uh, this weekend. Uh, money only stretches so far. All right. Well, we talked. Oh, one more oh, thing. I sold a. Thing. Um, uh, yeah, one more thing. I'm sorry about that. Hey, it's 80s WrestleCon, brother. I sold uh, Sergeant Slaughter uh, mail-away uh, LJN style figure that Hasbro uh, made for 250 bucks. So that was pretty cool. So that was my Ooh, bar I thought, tab. For, I thought you wanted for more night. for that. Well, I mean, he was—he has some sun damage on him. You know, he okay. has this, he has that. You know, he's not—he wasn't in the bubble wrap that it came in. Right, he so, was. Uh, yeah, I asked for—I asked for three hundred, and he gave me two fifty. Oh, so, that's not bad. Uh, no, that's yeah. Not so, yeah. So, I mean, that, that helped with getting some of the autographs. Oh, David Schultz, we talked to. We met met him, Doctor D. I saw his book. your pictures. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was great. And uh, tugboat, we ran into in the bathroom and stuff, you know. But uh, that's about it. That's yeah. In a nutshell, that's or a little more than a nutshell. That was it was a tremendous day. Way, way better than uh, last year. Only thing last year that topped it was uh, the conversation I recorded with Tito and Jesse that went viral. That's the only thing that uh, topped it from last year. Right. Everything else was better this year. Was uh, was Tito there? I know Jesse wasn't. Was Tito there this year? No, not this year. Surprised. I thought he, he's always there. Yeah, you would think that, but I guess, um, uh, you know, you don't want to wear out your, you don't want to be sitting there because everybody met you already. Right. You so know what I mean? it up or whatever. Kind of. Oh, and also Marty Gennetti, where uh, he wore the old Guns N' Roses shirt, the same I one he wore when, that. He, yeah. when he turned turned on, when he, uh, when he returned and hit Sherry with the mirror on Halloween in 1992. So I thought that was a nice touch. I said, hey, Marty, I can't find a shirt I bought last month. What the hell are you doing with that shirt still? Is that the original <laughs> shirt? Oh uh, yeah, so it was it was it was beat up unless, unless shit, somehow yeah. yeah unless somehow he ordered it on eBay because like every once out. in a while I'll think about like a band shirt I had and I will look it up and I can always find one if I want to get it but yeah no I'm pretty sure it was original because he said oh it's a little snug now brother you know oh yeah but <laughs> but he was good I offered him a beer which I probably shouldn't have done and he turned it down so he was in good um uh oh is he in recovery or whatever. I maybe yeah I I don't know I thought about it after I always get Haku beers and last year when the Islanders were there you know I was sneaking you know sneaking them in beers putting them in coffee cups and stuff and uh, so I, I I said that to Janetti and after that I said probably shouldn't have said that uh, but um he turned it down anyway <clears throat> interesting so, yeah all right well Paul and I mentioned earlier big day today WrestleMania six is the show um so we got a lot of ground to cover here we're gonna start with the the venue so. Up to this point, we had had Madison Square Garden, obviously. Then we had the three venues for WrestleMania two: was the um, Nassau Coliseum and the Rosemont Horizon, where there was a nightmare for the Dream Team, <laughs> and the Los Angeles Arena. Then we went to WrestleMania three, and we had the uh, Silverdome, obviously. And then four and five were at Trump Tower in Atlantic City, the same place. So this is the first time that WrestleMania had been anywhere um, other than Atlantic in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, since WrestleMania 3 in 87. 
and we are in a different country entirely, Toronto, Canada, uh, at the uh, basically brand new uh, Sky Dome um, in Toronto. It was uh, they broke ground for construction on October third, nineteen eighty six, and it opened June third. Uh, 1989 so not even a year old at this point it was 570 million dollars to construct it and it's uh it's right downtown in toronto you can't miss it um it's in their skyline you know it's um it's right by the cn tower right by the uh, arena where the maple Leafs play it's all right there uh, there's a really famous concert venue the the amphitheater it's on the water kind of next to it there's a soccer stadium there now where the toronto fc play um, but basically, if you cross the border at the Peace Bridge in Buffalo, where I live, and you take the QEW and you just stay on it, you practically drive into center field uh, into the uh, into the Sky Dome, which is now called the Rogers Center. Uh, a multi-purpose. What a what, what a downgrade from it for a name, huh? From Sky Dome. Sky Sky Dome so cool. was such a sick name, and now you got this coolest name ever. Yeah, this bummer corporate, but everyone calls it the Sky Dome. Nobody calls it Rogers. Yeah. And it's spelled centre too. You know they spell center wrong. Don't don't try to explain it to the Hulkster. He'll be all confused. Oh my god! Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Forget about convulsions. It. <laughs> <laughs> a multi-purpose retractable roof stadium, and it's a funny venue too because in the outfield, if it was a baseball game, there are these huge kind of glass windows, and there's a hotel and a Hard Rock Cafe. And when it first opened, the ho- the hotel was. People are like, oh, you know, I'm going to get a hotel room. I'll be able to watch the baseball game. It's just kind of like a novelty thing. Everyone's doing it. And I remember this one baseball game, one couple. I know exactly what yeah, you're going to say. Go ahead. They forgot to shut the drapes. Yeah. And uh, they provided a little extra entertainment for the for the ball club and for the uh, baseball crowd that day. Um, the Blue Jays were really good in the early part of their run in the stadium. Obviously, they won the World Series in 92 and 93. And they're also in the American League playoffs early in this time as well. And um, Jose Canseco hit a home run in the American League Championship Series that I swear to God has still not landed. And I remember as a kid, I knew exactly where that ball was hit. And I remember thinking, holy shit, I'm further away from the ring than that Jose Canseco (laughs) uh, home run ball. We'll get to that more as we go. It's all the point of being there, though. Yeah, I guess so. Um, But this was a real sort of innovative design, obviously one of the first retractable roof stadiums. Uh, It was a real big deal for them to get it built. Uh, They spent a lot of time going back and forth in terms of, you know, public financing and private financing and partnership and this and that. Uh, The initial cost was grossly estimated, underestimated. I think the initial pitch was that it'd be $150 million to build, and it was much closer to half a billion, more than wow. half a billion. I think I think it settled at around $600, $670 million, or about $1.8 billion in 2021 dollars. Um, so it took a lot to build. It took a long time. Um, you know, I remember as a kid seeing piece of it, pieces of it. I live 90 minutes, essentially. If there's no traffic... And you, and you can cross the border. And, and this is a pre-9-11 world back then, too. So crossing the border was basically like you just had to slow down the car. And, you know, they looked in and make sure there wasn't 60 Mexicans in the backseat. Yeah, and you and didn't have any coke on. Yeah, you went, that, yeah that I mean, it was at that time it, seconds. Um, so 
it's it's still pretty easy now. But I mean, back then it was. I think I've said this a lot of times before. Like when I was a kid, where I lived, it was not unusual on a Tuesday night to go to a different country to have Chinese food because you just wanted that for dinner. And there's a good Chinese place right over the border. Um, oh wow! It's crazy to think about now. Like we went to a different country on Tuesday because we liked that Chinese place. Um, and like with the exchange <laughs> rate too, back then. You would give them a twenty dollars American, and they would give you like six million dollars Canadian. Like that's what it wow. felt like as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would give them a twenty, and they would give me money I didn't even know I could spend. You know, and we would go up there. We would buy. I bought all my hockey skates there, because even though our money exchanged the way it did, they didn't quite inc- increase the prices to match it. It never felt like, you know. So hockey skates were always big purchases were always cheaper. Um, and up there. So we go up there for hockey skates, hockey equipment. Um, we would go up there for, like I said, dinners. We would go into Toronto to uh, like eighth grade class trip. People would always go see the Phantom of the Opera there because it ran there for a long time. So you go there. Um, we went to the Hockey Hall of Fame there, Sabres games there, hockey tournaments, obviously. And then as I got older, many, many, many rock concerts as well. What's the last the last thing you've been there for? Uh Pearl Jam in September I was there for Pearl Oh, Jam. just just recently. Okay. Yeah. Um what, September eleventh, twenty twenty two or three? Yeah, been to uh Maple Leaf Gardens. Yep. I was at the old Maple Leaf Gardens for a Sabres game. It's still there, still opens. The mall or something now. Yeah, right? they they don't use it the way they used to. Um but even after they have a new arena called the um, Air Canada Center, although that has a dumb name too now. Uh, Scotiabank, it's called now. Um, but their new arena, when that was built, they kept the other one open and would do a lot of concerts there. And I saw Oasis there in 1996 hmm. or 97, 97, I don't know, maybe closer to 2000 even. Um, and I really only went because I wanted to go to the Maple Leaf Garden again. I mean, o- Oasis, whatever, I they're fine. I'm not like a huge fan. I'm not against them. I know some songs, but I, I know the I remember MTV songs when too. it was like pitched to me. I was like, "It's at Maple Leaf Gardens. Hell yeah, I'll go there one more time." It was like a chance to go there one more time, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I've been to Toronto so many times in my life um, for so many things, and also when and and it's not uncommon here as well. Um, the drinking age there is 19, and it's obviously 21 here. So people who grow up where I do, when you're 19, you start going to the bars in Toronto, you know, right, pretty much right away. Um, and if the Niagara Falls area on the Canadian side is something called Clifton Hill, and it's really touristy, it's really nice, it's really built up. And, I mean, every college kid in Buffalo has been to Clifton Hill to go drinking and hang out. I always thought I would 19, do well in, 20 in, years old. in Canada, in uh Everything I like is like over like a million bucks there. Hogan, Motley Crue, you know whatever. It just seems it seems like Canada is so cool, and everybody's you yeah know, laid it, back. It and- has its definitely pluses and minuses. the The city itself is a very it's a it's a huge international city. Like I, I think because of how close I grew up to it, I kind of have always underrated like what a huge huge city it is, and. um there, there's huge city problems, obviously. But if you're not in the city, if you're in, you know, Burlington or Mississauga or, you know, some of the surrounding areas, this is some of the nicest places in North America. Um, and, and we get frustrated here because Canadians will often come 
to the United States to shop because it, as the way it works for us, it works for them to come here, especially as their dollar improved over the years. And they have such a beautiful, clean country, and they'd come here and they'd shop all day and then they litter in the parking lots to avoid paying duty. You know, it would be so frustrating because, like, you keep such a beautiful country and you come here and you litter in my parking lots because you don't want to play duty. Wow. You know, wow. Uh, I do have one kind of horror story from Toronto, and I don't mean to put it down because I'm, I'm mostly putting it over, I think, here. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, I knew this hockey player. He was younger than me. His name was his name was Jeff, and um, he was on. My dad coached his team, and sometimes my dad wouldn't be able to do the coaching, so I'd have to coach his team. He was maybe like five years younger than me, and he was a really, really good player, better than all the other kids on the team. And he had this. He he was always with his dad, you know. And his dad was this bigger guy, nice guy. Um, loved this kid. Was always like, so what are you gonna? You know, if I was coaching, you know. Who are you going to play Jeff with today? You know, what do you think of Jeff? What I'm like, listen, whatever I do, he's going to be the center of the game plan. Like, he's, <laughs> he's, the, he's the best thing I got. So don't worry. You know what I mean? Like, no worries. He's going to be the first name I call. Trust me. So like a, like a soccer dad. Yeah. And they, soccer mom. and they had this tradition. They would go to Toronto for opening day of baseball season every year. And they oh, would, wow. Yeah. They would go up there and see the first baseball game of the year or whatever in Toronto. And they went up one year, and they're waiting in line to get tickets. And Jeff's father fell out, had a heart attack, passed away. Oh my goodness! So he's laying on the sidewalk, and he's you know he's he's having this heart attack, and obviously Jeff very scared or whatever. And some guy comes running over and says, "Look out! I'm a doctor. You know, I'm going to save the man." And everyone kind of spreads away, and the guy steals his watch and his oh. and runs off. What happened? Did he pass away? He did or? pass away. Yeah, right there. How old was How old was the young boy? Oh, 12. That. 12 probably. Oh my god. Yeah. What a terrible thing. Now here's the uh, here's the. I, I take it back and call him a soccer mom. There is a, uh, a a bright side of the story. So Jeff, I remember seeing him at the wake, and being really upset and thinking, you know, I'm not going to be able to play hockey anymore. My parents are going to be afford my mom's going to be able to afford it, whatever. He did play. He went D1. He got a full ride to Cornell University. And he's a doctor now, so all in the honor of his father. I'm yeah, sure. oh, I'm sure. Yeah, um, but that that that's like something like you can't you can't get out of your head. Like yeah, I mean, like imagine that. something like coming like, back like, from that, though, right? No, no, my goodness, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, right here, jeez, uh, poor Jeff. As far as the um, stadium itself, uh, capacity is about fifty thousand for baseball. They get about fifty three thousand five hundred in there for football. The CFLs. Toronto Argonauts play there as well as the, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and they've had many, many concerts there. The Toronto Raptors, uh, the baseball team played there for a few years in like a curtained version of the stadium before they ended up moving into the, into the Air Canada Center. Uh, there was a soccer, it was the home to soccer for a long time. Uh, Italy played there in 2005. My beloved Azuri uh, played a 1-1 draw against Serbia and Monterrego. Some of it means we brought a gibberish team um, for the exhibition. Um, there's been other big soccer teams there, like Liverpool. Um, Brazil played a friendly there, the national team of Brazil, Manchester United. Um, so they've had some big uh, soccer matches there uh, as well. Roma um, the United States and Canada played an international friendly there once. Got 5,000 so. 5, people uh, <laughs> to watch that uh, big match. Um, uh, professional wrestling, obviously a big part of the arena's history, starting with 
WrestleMania 6, and then, of course, later WrestleMania again. Um, the How about your story on that one? You told them, you told it already on the 24-inch podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I <laughs> couldn't make it that day. Um, what's, what do they say in Goodwill Hunting? I had to see about a girl that day. There you go. Yeah, I couldn't make it. Uh, Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan right at WrestleMania 6. We'll talk about it. Set the Sky Dome attendance record, 67,678. And then they broke it the second time for WrestleMania 18. Remember, two six, more, Gorilla, two more, Gorilla and Jesse. <laughs> yep, 68,237 for WrestleMania 18. February 2009, they hosted a taping for Raw. Really? Uh, yeah, they hosted... 2009? 19, 1999, what did I say? Oh, 1999. Okay, they're, they're hot then. Yeah, okay. February 1999, the stadium hosted a taping for the February 13th episode of Raw, a special Saturday night airing of Raw due to the damn Westminster Kennel Dog Club show. Yeah. Uh, that's the, that. The, that's when they wisened up USA Network because uh, the attitude error ratings were <clears throat> through the good. roof. Yeah. yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Vince McMahon in a gauntlet match. There you go against the corporation. It's the largest, got largest crowd in Raw history. You got attendance on that one? <clears throat> Forty-one thousand four hundred thirty-two. Okay, so equal to Goldberg and Hogan in uh, the Georgia Dome during Nitro. Uh, concerts. There's a few different configurations, obviously. They have the theater configuration, which does about five to seven thousand. Concert hall, uh, they call it Sky Tent. I remember that, ten to twenty-five thousand. And then they have the, you know, the full scale. They've had Bruce Springsteen, U two, uh, Bon Jovi performed two sellout shows in two thousand ten. It's part of the Circle Tour. Uh, Rolling Stones played two concerts there in '89, December of '89. Um, let's see who else has played there. Madonna's Truth or Dare tour. Guns N' Roses performed at the Rogers Center on July 16, 2006 in the never-ending Not In This Lifetime tour. They got 48000 there for that. Metallica. Still going on now. Yep. Metallica. We got it this summer here. <laughs> Metallica played a sold-out show at the stadium as part of their World Wired tour in 2017. And interestingly, when I was there for Pearl Jam in September... At the Rogers Center that night was Elton John. How about that? And you could very clearly tell at the fork in the road who was going right to Pearl Jam and who was going left Elton John. <laughs> if you were who was wearing boas, and yeah. If you were dressed to the nines with a boa on you, you were probably going Elton John. If you had jeans and a t-shirt, you're probably one of the scumbags going to Pearl Jam. I think Crew played there too at a Feel Good tour. I'm about eighty five percent positive. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, you'd have to look that up. Not necessarily listed here. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, this is just an overview of shows that have been there. Um, other uses. Uh, they, they've used it at times for, like, um, conferences and things like that. They have 143,000 square foot of exhibition space. Um, Disney on Ice is there. Auto shows. Canadian International Air Show. Um, one of Dave's big events, the opening ceremonies of the International AIDS Conference was held there. Oh, August okay. 13, 2006. Many public speakers, including the Dalai Lama, Billy Graham, Nelson Mandela. Oh, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, yes, he was there. Yep, yep. Yeah, he didn't quite make it to WrestleMania 6. Bad so hips. Nice that they had he just had a bad yeah. hip. He couldn't. Uh, book right. reading. J.K. Rowling was there to read, I guess, part of, of Harry Potter, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 
we mentioned, never saw it. Yeah, we, <laughs> me neither. I don't, know, I don't know anything about Harry Potter except his magic or something, right? I, I all I know is his name, and he's like a dork, right? Yeah, the 1991 All Star Game, July 9th, fifty-two thousand five eighty-three. Um, Billy Graham. How many people do you think Billy got there? Superstar. Uh the Reverend Billy Graham, obviously, who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh. Maybe fifty-five thousand, seventy-two thousand five hundred, but wow. that was boosted. Fill it up. That was boosted by several Christian music groups and extensive seating on the field. There was many as thirty thousand people outside watching the event on screens. Stripe, the Striper played in the parking lot. Yep, a crowd, <laughs> a crowd of fifty-two thousand two sixty-eight attending Game Five of the nineteen ninety-two World Series, which Toronto lost seven-two to the what year? Nineteen ninety-two. Um, the team of the nineties, the Yankees. No, not ninety-two. No, not yet. Um, not yet. But they would factor into the Yankees World Series successes later. Uh, the Red Sox, the Atlanta Braves. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Chet's hat blew off in a convertible because he had Atlanta. Atlanta Braves had on. Girls were beeping at us in the highway. We were in a convertible, and he got up, and the hat blew off. It was real funny. For a few years, the Buffalo Bills would play a game in the Rogers Center every year, one game each year. It's kind of a bust. Um, it didn't do what they think they thought it was and was a big reason why John Bon Jovi's interest in sort of owning the team and maybe moving it there sort of fizzled out. Also because uh, Pagula emerged and they were never going to sell to someone who was going to keep it there over someone who would move it anyway. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool, I think, overview of the sky dome uh, i would ask you some fun stuff like first home run or things like that but you'd never get them so. nah, we'll be here all night <laughs> <laughs> the stadium is also the setting of the climax in the 2022 pixar animated film turning red in which the fictional boy band for town performs a large scale concert during which the stadium is partially destroyed as, tr- as the Toronto set film's time period is set in 2002, the stadium is referred to by its original name of Skydome. They should always I got that boy band sh- shit's over. I, I love pop music, but that boy band shit was it's not for me. I wouldn't go as far as love, but I do like some pop music, mostly from another day. I, from the, you know, like yeah. 80s pop music, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so that's the Skydome, Dave. You've never been there, right? No, I've been to the state of Canada once in my life to Niagara Falls. Okay. That's about it. 1991 summer. James Brian Helwig, born June 16th. Oh, Paula's birthday. How about that? June 16th, the ultimate Paula. The, the, June 16th, 1959, and he died April 8th, 2014. Uh, born in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Um, he was married to Sherry Tyree, divorced in 91, and then the Pink Warrior, Dana Valal, 2009. He had two children. Build, oh, I can't stand her. Build 6-2-280. Build from Parts Unknown, Queens, New York, or One Warrior Nation. Uh, trained by Bill Anderson, Rick Bassman, and Red Bastine. Red Bastine. Bastine, Bastine, not even worth correction. Oh. November 23rd, 1985 was his debut. He debuted um, in 85, and he retired 
June 28, 2008. Um, he was born 50 miles northwest of Indianapolis. He's the oldest of five children, raised by his mother along with his late, long later with his stepfather. After his father left his family when he was 12, his father died at 57, and a grandfather died at 52. So all the men in the family died young. Warrior was. Yeah, it looks like that was just 54. an hereditary thing that yeah. happened to him. Yeah. Um, prior to his career in professional wrestling, he was an amateur bodybuilder, competing in a number of NPC contests and winning the 1984 NPC Mr. Georgia crown. Started training with weights when he was 11 years old and described himself as a small, insecure kid who wasn't into any sports. He moved to California after seeing bodybuilder Robert, Robbie Robinson decided to take up the sport. His first contest was in Florida. He finished fifth. Later, while he was attending Life University in Marietta, Georgia, he won the Junior Atlanta Contest and placed fifth in the AAU 1981 Collegiate Mr. America. Um, in 1985, spending six weeks in California training for a bodybuilding contest, he was invited to join a group of bodybuilders, which included uh, Sting. Yeah, Sting and mm-hmm. Mark Miller and Garland Donahoe to form a professional wrestling team where he accepted the invitation, abandoned his bodybuilding career as well as his plans to become a uh, chiropractor. Chiropractor, correct. Uh, he began his career as Jim Justice Helwig of Power tried, Team USA. I tried to crack my neck for that and get it on air, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Continental Wrestling Association is where he started. Uh, the group of bodybuilders, we said they were trained. He and fellow trainee uh, Sting formed a tag team called the... The Blade Runners, brother. Freedom Fighters. Freedom Fighters. Howard was, was known as Justice, and Borden was called Flash. Flash and Justice, the mm. Freedom Fighters. They debuted in Memphis, Tennessee, of uh, Jerry Jarrett's promotion. Uh, they played baby faces at first, but were actually slow to take to the hulking duo. Oh, the, they didn't get over. Um, so they switched. They were turned heel. Under Bobby Ray, Bobby Wayne, and soon after by Dutch Mantel. Um, then they moved in '86 to the Universal Wrestling Federation. It's here that they became Blade Runners. The Blade Runners, like you said, Helwig was Blade Runner Rock, and Borden was Blade Runner Sting, which is how he eventually became Sting. Imagine if uh, Warrior kept the name The Rock. <laughs> the that would have been. Something. Then we'd have three. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, world class is the next stop, and this is where I first remember seeing. Likewise, seeing the warrior and yeah, the dingo, yeah, the dingo warrior, and you know he did all the things you would expect someone to do in this territory, you know, feuding with, uh, you know, the different names that you would hear from there. Um, yeah, Percy Pringle's uh, crew turned on him, I believe. Yeah, he, Matt Bourne. He formed a tag team with Lance Von Erich. Um, Warrior and Von Erich defeated Master Guy and Matt Bourne to win the titles. There you go. Yep. They held the championship until December 1st, and they lost to El Madrill and Brian Adius. Can I correct you on that one or no? If you want. I mean, I don't think anyone cares, but go ahead. Brian Adias. Oh, see, now, <laughs> now everyone will sleep better tonight. 
Uh, <laughs> Warrior claims after one of his matches. Um, okay, so here's the story here. So Bruce Pitchard stated that Vince McMahon did not know what a dingo warrior was. But because there was the modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich, and the road warriors, there should not be one more simple warrior, but the ultimate warrior. Warrior claimed after one of his first matches that McMahon had him do a pre-tape promo. It was there that Vince said, we want you to do warrior, but we don't want dingo. The warrior then proceeded to cut and stated that he was not the warrior or that warrior or this warrior. He's the ultimate warrior. He made his final appearance in WCCW in 1987. And then he comes to the WWF in early or mid-87. And um, it's off for there, really. He works his way up. WrestleMania 4, he gets the match with Hercules. WrestleMania, SummerSlam 88, he wins his first title. And that brings us to 90, and he's getting a chance to win the whole fucking thing against the Hulkster. Dave, your thoughts he was, on, oh, on the war? Oh, boy. See you over. I, I, I remember um, actually... You know, I would tape all the WWF stuff, and when I got into wrestling in '86, everything I have, I still have all of the VHSs and whatnot straight from TV. And I taped some World Class when Warrior was on there because he caught he, he caught my eye on there because he was such like just you know some of the stuff on there was, was just you know it was all dark and stuff like compared to WWF. But when I saw this guy, I'm just like, whoa, like this this is pretty cool. And I remember they interviewed him outside and stuff. So when he got to WWF, I knew who he was. And um, I did not see him in the WWF as Dingo Warrior. That was only on Boston, the Nesson TV, I believe. And I don't think Primetime ever aired it. I could be wrong there, unless I just happened to miss that one. But that's that's unlikely. But um, so uh, when he debuted as Ultimate Warrior, around, I guess, September-ish, 87, on Superstars or Challenge, I knew exactly who he was. And, uh, yeah, it was... Um, I wouldn't call him one of my favorites at the time, but I liked him. You know, I che- I cheered for him for sure. I um I was pretty pumped up when he uh, beat Honky Tonk Man. And my good friend Anthony Pagano, this was the first time he was like, "Oh, it's not fair." He, Honky Tonk Man wasn't ready. I'm like, "We're seven year old kids, eight year old kids." I mean, come on, <laughs> what's going on here? And uh, he still says it to this day, "Honky wasn't ready." You know, it's, he never liked Warrior after that. And um, then I love this feud with Rude. I love his uh, SummerSlam 89 match right here in the Meadowlands Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's one of the greatest matches ever. The moon was shining very brightly that night. And a lot of people were eating garages as well as uh, the Warrior regained his title from Rick Rude that night. But then, you know, when you started getting those kids in school, brother, trying to compare and contrast and jump on the new bandwagon, is when I started going south on the warrior and not being a fan anymore, if you know what I mean. I was and never I did a not fan. like him. Yeah. I, was I did not like him after the second uh when he started beating Andre quick and that kind of shit. I I, I was out. Yeah, I was never that. never a fan of him. Um I remember when his music hit and he came run out at Survivor or SummerSlam Media and everything and oh this guy. Cause you knew as soon as his music hit he was winning. I was like, oh, my God, this guy. and uh, On level with Anthony Pagano, same thing. Yeah, and yeah. he was just never never my guy. Like, my bro- my younger brother, like, we got along pretty good. We're not, like, the rivals that some brothers can be because we're six years apart. But, like, I had a Hogan wrestling buddy, and he had a Warrior wrestling buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, 
you know, he was cool people like Talk and dorks like my brother, fat kids with glasses who didn't play hockey and sat on the couch and watched cartoons like he did, um, like the Warrior. And, okay. uh, you know, I thought it was shit and I hated it. And uh, he made my night miserable on April 1st, 1990. And we'll talk about it. Um, but I just wasn't a fan of him. And um, I don't know. I never understood what he was talking about. He didn't connect with me. I didn't relate to it. And um, he was probably the most famous baby face in my era that I never cheered for at all. Yeah. After, like I said, after a certain point, no, he was persona non grata with me. And especially after the show uh, we're, we're going to cover now. <laughs> you know, but um, I do. I, but later in life, I, I do, even though I don't necessarily agree with everything he's saying, I do enjoy his shoot interviews very, very, very much. But that's later on in life. Right. You know? and he's yeah. a very good shoot interview. All right. Uh, this is my time to take a break. Dave, it's time for you to shine. You're going to tell us where Hulk was after WrestleMania six. Uh, that would be April of 1990. Take it away, brother. Go ahead and shine. Okay, we're going to do post-WrestleMania here because we did pre-WrestleMania when we covered the Dino Bravo match a few shows ago. So this one's going to be short and sweet. Uh, we'll start off April Fool's Day when that fool, the Ultimate Warrior, won the WWF Championship as Hulk Hogan took on the Ultimate Warrior in the Toronto Sky Dome in front of a sellout of 67,678 with my good friend Steve Bennett in attendance, and it was also a new attendance record for the building. Uh, next night, uh, it's a challenge taping at Syracuse, New York, at the Onondaga War Memorial. Hulk Hogan pins the earthquake in a dark match. Next night, April 4th, Glens Falls, New York, at the Civic Center. Superstars of wrestling taping. Hulk Hogan once again pins the earthquake in a dark match. Here's an interesting card. April 10th, Honolulu, Hawaii at the Blaisdell Arena. 8,000 fans were there. Hulk Hogan pins the earthquake. But what I made note of is guess who wrestled on this card that I, I didn't even know of? Andre the Giant. Oh. Teamed up again, once again with Haku. But they got into another fight and fought at the end of the, the match. And the crowd cheered for Haku only because it was in Hawaii. So that makes sense. But how about that? Huh? After that big WrestleMania breakup, yeah, they tried to uh, they tried to get it back together there for one night in Honolulu. Hoping April that, 3rd... that pay-per-view didn't get there, huh? Yeah, maybe, well, maybe they didn't have pay-per-view over there. Who knows? But they got their own breakup there. Uh, April 13th, uh, WWF teams up with New Japan and All Japan at the Tokyo Dome. 53,742. Check this one out in our archives. As Hulk Hogan pins Stan the Lariat Hansen, and this is also this is also the card where they I guess they ribbed Greg the Hammer Valentine, where he came out to the ring to Roxette's "She Got the Look." <laughs> oh, I like Roxette. Oh, I love that. That's a good song. But I don't I mean, know if it that, works. I don't know if it works really for 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 Valentine. For absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. April 21st, Detroit, the Joe Louis Arena, Hulk Hogan over the big earthquake by disqualification. And uh, April 22nd, we are going to be in Waco, Texas at the heart of Texas Coliseum. I like that name, deep in the heart of Texas, like Pee Wee Herman. Hulk Hogan once again pins the Canadian earthquake. And uh, that'll do it post-WrestleMania for me. All right, we're going to take a break. This is a big one. We need a lot of time. So let's take a break. Uh, urinate if you need to. Number two, even if possible, get yourself a drink, some ice in your drink because it's going to be 
settle in time. We're going to do the news. We're going to cover the whole card. Tell you everything about my day, getting there, being there, all that. Love it. Can't wait. And uh, here we go. WrestleMania 6. We'll be right back. Upon the examination of the galaxies of space, images begin to appear. Images of strange and powerful forces. But of all the forces in the universe, the two most powerful, Hulk Hogan. And the ultimate warrior. Prepare to explode. 15 seconds, Champion ladies and gentlemen. Everybody up, title please. Title. It's the ultimate. Ten, it's nine, the eight, seven, six. Four Inch Podcast, we are back. Big show, WrestleMania 6. But before we get to that, it's time to read the news. All right, Dave. The news begins where we do. April 1st. April Fool's Day, 1990. And let's fact check our guys here. April 1st, WrestleMania 6, Skydome, Toronto, Ontario, 60,678. Ultimate Idiot, no, it's supposed to say Warrior, beats Hulk Hogan for the WWF Heavyweight and Intercontinental titles. Mm. Uh, They're off on the attendance a bit, but I'll take it. April 2nd, the 52nd NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. University of Nevada, Las Vegas, beats Duke 103-73, to recording the largest margin of victory in a championship game. It was the Running Rebels' first title, but Duke would, of course, get the revenge in 1991. Uh, April cool. 4th, the rhythm's going to get you, Dave. This is when it happened. I know we mentioned this before. Gloria uh, Stefan. Yeah, her. she's released from the hospital. After her accident, um, yeah, my parents and my sister saw a return concert right here at the Meadowlands. I guess I don't, a year later, I don't know, yeah, something like that. Good for her. Good for her. I remember in Miami Sound Machine, those bad bad boys was a WWF video. Yeah, they played this shit, shit out of an '86. I yeah. remember that too. April fifth, Paul Newman wins a court victory over Julius Gold to keep giving all profits from Newman Foods to charity. Hello, Newman. Imagine being the heel in the case trying to stop the profits going to charity. <laughs> uh, the far- Farm Aid concert, Farm Aid 4, April 7th at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis. Another WrestleMania spot. Another WrestleMania spot. Bonnie Raitt, John Mellencamp, Carl Perkins, Garth Brooks, Elton John, Lou Reed, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Iggy Pop, among others. Farm Aid. Never been to a Farm Aid. Never have. I've been to some aid. Well, besides having... No, I don't want to joke about that. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was going to say. Uh, um, live aid? Live? I got financial aid. aid when I was in college. <laughs> you probably still paying that shit back, right? Yeah. Um, something at Giant Stadium that me and Tim went to uh, about 15 years ago. Sebastian Pumpkins were there. A couple of rap guys. Caught me, uh, I don't know if it was Kanye West. I, I, I don't know the difference. Um... Uh, oh, the police. The police were there. Mm. Uh, was something. Bon Jovi was there. All right. So that's a good yeah. night. Yeah. 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 Uh, big night for television fans. Your favorite filmmaker, David Lynch, uh, is in the small screen. Twin Peaks um, debuts. Premieres on Or ABC as Bobby Heenan would say about 
about Sherry at SummerSlam 92, Twin Cheeks. <laughs> That's good. The Masters. Masters weekend. A tradition like no other, Dave. The 54th version of the Masters. Nick Faldo of England goes back-to-back with a par on the second sudden-death playoff hole when he defeated your favorite golfer, Ray Floyd. Oh, Ray Floyd. Yep, tough day. Didn't he, go, didn't he go on to become Glacier in WCW? No, he did not wrestle. He went on. He what he oh. did was he went on to the senior tour of golf. Um, <laughs> that's his real name. Oh, yeah. Something is that his name? April eighth, a new democracy wins the election in Greece. Big day in Greece. Uh, Good for Uncle Jesse. Yeah, have mercy. Big day in New York, April 9th. Don Mattingly signs a nineteen point seven million dollar five year contract with the Yankees, and I remember when he signed that because that was huge, huge money. Uh, for a sports athlete back then. And now did he leave in 95 after the contract was up? He did. He retired. So he missed all He missed all the action, 96 on. He did. His last game was in Seattle when Ken Griffey Jr. slid into home in the bottom of the ninth to win the uh, wild card game. How about that? Or game five, I guess, of that LDS it was. It's kind of bittersweet, you know? You yeah. Get that big they, deal won the, they won the World Series the year before and the year after. 96, 98, 99. But, I mean, the 2000. year before his career... So I think it was 82 the Yankees won or 83, and then Mattingly came on or whatever. Oh, okay. Oh, you're yeah. saying before yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, let's see. What else? The world's largest bunny hop at Radio City Music Hall in New York. Uh, it lasted until 2007 when more bunnies hopped. Um, you never there, was a rest- there was a modern wrestler I could have made a joke about. It did that with the, the bunny hop. Fan- it was a Fandango. Uh, you know we don't watch yeah, the stuff. Yeah, Somebody, yeah, yeah. I, no, no, I do no, no, recall no. What, that Adam Rose, maybe. Adam Rose sounds, yeah. sounds more like it. Yeah. Uh, April eleventh, cool. New York Lotto, thirty-five million to two winners. You want to guess the numbers, Dave? It's let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. See how many you can get at six numbers. Okay, uh, three. Okay. Six. Okay. Five. Okay. Four. Okay. One more. And another six. Okay, the numbers were six, 14, 24, 32, 34, 51. All right. Goofy. Guess I wasn't uh, getting much. <laughs> Do you play the lotto? No. No. Me neither. Scratch offs. I, I go on like a binge every once in a while. Uh, For like a month, I become obsessed, and then it goes away like every three years. All right, we got a music story here. April 12th, James Brown moves to a work relief center after serving 15 months of a six-year sentence for weapon and drug-related convictions. Wild man, James Brown. April 13th, the final episode of Pat Sajak's late-night TV show on CBS. Who would think that day that Wheel of Fortune, he would still be the host in 2023? How about that? How long did that uh, late-night show last? That's a good question. I will look that up in a minute. I don't think very long. I don't think so either. April 15th, one of my favorite shows as a kid, In Living Color, premiered on Fox TV. Jim Right. Carrey. That was a big hit. I, yeah. I, I can't say I was that into it, but the kids at school sure were. Mm-hmm. It was on after The Simpsons, right? Oh, Married yeah. Children, that, yep. that block yep. on Sunday night. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal. Not, not exactly for me, but I, I like some, some of it. I think I thought I liked it more than I did. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, I was really into the 
culture of it, like, oh man, Simpsons and this and that. And, yeah, yeah, the whole block. But, it was like another Saturday Night Live kind of. Like, I don't know how much I watch it. I definitely was like it, uh, Jim Carrey, Krusty the Clown, Fire or, um, Marshal Bill Burr, and, uh, and yeah, not Krusty, Krusty uh, the Clown. Uh, Homie the Clown. Homie the Clown. Homie don't play that. Yeah, but I do like the Dwayne Brothers. Uh, Mo Money. I'm a big fan of that movie. Oh, they I came like, from that. Right? I'm a big fan of the Last Boy Scout with uh, okay. Damon Wayans. Uh, Damon Wayans. Eight, April sixteenth, maximum of New York State unemployment benefits raised to two hundred and sixty a week. Mm. Give Dave, Dave my goodness, Dave that money. You got moved to New York for that money, though, Dave. Jesus Christmas, yeah, or New Jersey these days, two hundred sixty a week. Daddy ain't paying my bar tab, not even half of it. Tough blow to uh, Tyler with Dave here on April eighteenth. The Supreme Court rules states could make it a crime to possess or look at child porn. Even in one's home, it took till nineteen ninety for that to be a law. Yeah, but who, who, who? Like, why don't they go after the people? Not that the people watching it are any better, but how is it being made? Right, you know what I mean. Like that, that should be the where they should really start the. I'm the concerned. I'm there. concerned. Just in, you know. About the future of that kind of thing, I think as a society we gotta keep a tight tight eye on that. Oh, well, we don't want to get involved in this here, but if there's going to be any time where people would stick up for some garbage yeah. like that, it would be now. Yeah, I think we somehow need to keep an eye on that. April nineteenth, yeah. Marlon Maples appears on ABC's Prime Time. Okay, a WrestleMania Seven alumni. She should have uh, went on USA's Prime Time. She was married to a pretty cool guy at one time, I think. Too. I've heard big, of him. Big, big fan. I've heard of him. Um, let's see. Uh, Pete Rose pleads guilty to hiding $300,000 in income on April 20th. I think I can never get out of his own way, you know? Uh, <laughs> WWE Hall of Famer. April 21st, the Cincinnati Reds run their record to 9-0, and the best club in start in club history. I mentioned only because they will win the World Series in October of 1990. Uh, the last time they won the World Series, still to this day. How about that? Uh, April 21st, uh, National League umpire is arrested for stealing baseball cards. <laughs> I, I don't know why that makes you laugh. Well, they are worth I mean, some of them are worth Don't you know, put them like, in your bike spokes. Those are going to be worth yeah. a million dollars when you get older. Yeah, man, I just sold that Sergeant Slaughter. So you know what I mean? The same, same kind of deal in certain kind of ways. April 22nd, the NFL draft. First overall pick. Jeff George from the University of Illinois to the Indianapolis Colts. Never kind I know that I, I I know the name. Never really panned out quite to that level. Maybe I don't know the name. No, you probably do. He played for a long time. He just never kind of reached superstar level. You know, it's kind that of was my mother's uh, maiden name. It was shortened from Giorgio. Um, you know, yeah, it shortened that happened. So your name, yep, that happened you to me. as well. Yep. So I think that's why I remember it. Uh, the Academy of Country Music Awards, twenty fifth Academy of Country Music Awards. George Strait, Clint Black, and Kathy Mattia winner, winners there. Uh, and then besides besides uh, the great Hillbilly Jims, Don't Go Messing with the Country Boy, and maybe a few Johnny Cash songs here and there, you know, whatever. I just never could feel, got any kind of a feeling for, for country music. A lot of hot chicks like yeah, it. Me neither. The concert, I, I, I just don't. Uh, it's nothing. It all sounds the same to me. April 26th, New York Court of Appeals ends a two-and-a-half-year legal battle over the 1988 America's Cup by refusing jurisdiction of the case. You know what the America's Cup is, right, Dave? The America's Cup? Yeah. Uh, it's a really unique sporting event. It's the 
um, sailing competition. And it's really weird because they have it like very sporadically. Um, little, little yacht rock playing in the background. Yeah, it's it's those huge, you know, those those huge sailing ships or whatever. Um, it started in 1851, and there's only been 37 of them. So wow, like, they're st- they're on they're, they're on a worse schedule than our, us with the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there is no fixed schedule, but races have generally been held every three to four years. The most recent took place in March of 2021. So, and around this time, excuse me, around this time, uh, the U.S. had one of the dominant ships. And I remember seeing it on ESPN and kind of knowing about this, but also not really understanding the sport at all in any way. Um, But the New York City Yacht Club, I think, is one of the more famous ones. And um, they would feud with... uh, Australia and things like that. Didn't make Memphis McMahon involved with that sport somehow and Ted Turner and they that wanted sounds, to have like a that sounds right. competition or something? Yeah, probably. Or did I make that up? No, that sounds Maybe. like something I heard before. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do one or two more and we'll get out of here. Um, you know what I didn't see, so I'm not going to be able to give one. No no plays open. April must not be a good month How about to open, that? open a play. Uh, April... And actually, that April is the month I saw my very first play, Jersey Boys, in 2009. Oh, wow. April the 19th. April 29th, U.S. 66th manned space mission, the STS-31 Discovery 10 returns from space. And then April 29th, we'll end with this. This is a big one. Um, wrecking cranes begin tearing down the Berlin Wall. Scorpions, man. When to change. There you go. All right, that's the news for April of 1990. All right, Dave. Ah, with the Scorpions. Yes, it is time. WrestleMania 6. The sixth annual WrestleMania. Uh, Toronto, first time outside of the country. April 1st, 1990. The Sky Dome, 67,678. Grilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, sadly their last WrestleMania. Uh, Howard Finkel, ring announcer, George, Gene Orkelin, Sean Mooney, interviewers, uh, Joey Morella, Earl Hebner, Danny Davis, Shane Stevens, Jim Corderas, and John Bonella, officials. Um, here's the story, Dave, on how I ended up there. So obviously it's close, right? Um, it's where I live. And um, they take me back. Like, how yeah, tickets, so the whole, I, I, guess, the whole I guess I was in the... Um, what grade was I in? Let me think. 85, fourth. we were in kindergarten. Okay, fourth grade? In fourth. Yeah. yeah. So I was in fourth grade, and it was my last year at my school in West Seneca. We were going to be moving fifth grade. I was going to have to start at a new school. So that's part of it already. My parents are guilty. I'm having to move schools, you know, um, because we, we lived in a house that we rented, and we rented it from my stepfather's aunt and she had to, she was always saying she was going to sell it to us and then she decided she would never sell it so my parents found a new house to buy but it was in a different school district so i was going to have to move to a different school and i really wanted to stay in the school i was at so for the first time ever i tried hard at school um cuz i thought well if i get really good grades i thought in my head well, if i do really good and get really good grades 
they're not going to want to take me out of school now because I never did good in school because I was so bored. I just, like, wasn't into it. And, like, I could do pretty much nothing and get, like, around a B. And my parents wouldn't bother me about that. So I basically did nothing and got a B. But then I thought in my head, like, all right, Not bad, if, if I can do really good, right? Like if I get straight A's, if I can you know that D A D stands for darn good. That's what Mike Seaver said to his father. Yeah, I remember that. And that yeah. damn song. Right after we finished the last show, I was like on social media, and you had a a real link to the song, and like it's been in my head literally every day since then. Are showing me that smile. Yes. <laughs> That's a great song. I actually have the full, like the full version of it. Oh my god! <laughs> in my music, you know, I wanted to add one thing to there. Um, a couple things, and oh, let's go back to yours to get mine out of the way. Isn't it cool that um, it, it, almost like kindergarten for us was WrestleMania two, and then eighth grade was WrestleMania ten, and then by the time freshman year of our high school, freshman year of our high school, it was WrestleMania eleven. It was kind of like. You know the it's over, not over, but you yeah, know. What and I, mean. I was a senior, it's, fourteen, perfect age. Yeah, and for fourteen, and, I was a senior. So like when the attitude era came in, like I was leaving high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. this is the perfect age. And I actually brought the tape of WrestleMania six into class the next day, that Monday, and we watched the we watched the whole event because it was right around Easter time. I think it was going to be Easter week or just had passed or some. It was around Easter. And they said, you know, if we all did this for Friday, Dave will bring in WrestleMania. Because not a lot of people have pay-per-views. And everybody has to be quiet. If you saw it, don't say who won. And nobody did. It worked out perfect. And uh, it was just a, just a phenomenal day in uh, fourth grade at Schuyler School in Carney, New Jersey. On April the, uh, that would be April the 2nd, yeah. uh, 1990, watching WrestleMania 6 in school. Yeah, so anyway, so we're newer moving. I know it's my last year of my school. But in my head, I think if I do really good in school. I can stay there. They won't, my parents won't want me to move schools. So I bust my ass, and I literally get straight A's. And my report card comes, I guess the third marking period report card or whatever, and my parents are just in shock, you know? Like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, yeah, I'm really smart at school. Told you. You know, I told you that I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> now I feel like it. So they said, well... This is a really good report card. You should deserve a reward. And my mom's thinking, said this years later, is she wanted it to be a big reward because she wanted me to think, well, if I do that good, I can go to WrestleMania every 10 weeks or something. You know, like she wanted it to be a big thing because it was the first time I ever done that well and she wanted me to do that well. So I guess my dad had heard on the radio an ad that WrestleMania tickets were available or going on sale or whatever. And when my mom told about the port card and how she wanted to make it a really big deal, he said, well, we should get him WrestleMania tickets. So uh, they bought the tickets, and um, uh, my dad picked me up on a Saturday. He would always pick me up on Saturdays, and he came in this day, which was unusual. Usually he'd just honk, and I would come out. Not that my parents didn't get along or anything, just we were on to do whatever we were going to do. You know, I was ready to go. Right. Um, and he came in this time, and they took me into the kitchen, and they said, we're really proud of you how good you did in school, and we don't want it to go unnoticed. And I thought they were going to say, so we're going to stay here. <laughs> we're not going to move. And they're like, so we got you WrestleMania tickets. And I was Second best thing. And I was excited, but not excited. It was kind of weird. Like, I didn't really know what it meant. You know what I mean? Like, I almost, at that age, couldn't process, like, I'm going to WrestleMania in Toronto. 
It's just like you you're know, going to wrestling. It was going, so like, huge. Like, it was just beyond my understanding of what it would be. You know, to me, it was almost like, oh, I'm going to a house show, but we're going all the way to Toronto for it. Right. You know, I knew it was WrestleMania, and of course I knew what WrestleMania was, but like, I just couldn't process it, I guess. So but just, you were going to see Hulk Hogan. You were yeah. going to see uh, Andre the Giant Demolition. Not like now. You're going to WrestleMania. You don't even know who the hell it's going to be. You might get there, and Hollywood Dave Rollins is in the main event. You well, don't even know the matches anymore. You just People we, just go to WrestleMania, you know? When we were that young or whatever, the house show I went to in 87 or the ones I went to in 88 or 89 – just being there was as big as being at WrestleMania to me. It was huge to go, you know, and see the guys and everything. So I didn't get it. But then when I was watching wrestling every week and they would do the WrestleMania reports and they would go over the card and they would hype the matches, like each week I got more and more hyped. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to this. That's what I'm going to, you know, like, holy shit. Every week. Every week, it got it just got bigger in my head, and um, it was me and my dad. He picked me up in the morning. We went to breakfast um, at Elton's, a Greek restaurant. Remember, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, it was a four o'clock start. Then. Yep. So he picked me up probably. Oh, I don't know, eight or nine. You know, early in the morning, um, we went and had breakfast. Um, I think we got over to Canada around eleven o'clock. We got into Toronto around 12. Um, my dad had a store or something in Toronto. He wanted to get something. We went and got that. And we walked around for a little bit in the city. And then I think the doors opened at 1 or 2, one thirty-two, something like that. We were like one of the first people in the building. Yeah. Now, now father and son, of course, you're not going to tailgate. Was there a lot of tailgating going on? Um, there was a lot of people everywhere. I've seen a WrestleMania three. It's somewhere on YouTube, and yeah, there's a no, ton of tailgating going on at Silverdome. No, because like the Silverdome is in the in the suburbs. This okay, is in so the there's heart not a big... of the city. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, okay. It's like a Madison Square Garden. This deal. is literally yeah. right in the city skyline. You know what I mean? This venue, don't forget. You know, which is odd for a stadium. Usually, stadiums yeah, are kind of and off. The arenas no. are in the in the city more. Yeah, this building is right dead center in the city. Cool. Okay, and I didn't so know that. So there was people everywhere. Um, and I remember we got in there pretty early. So we got – my dad knew exactly where we wanted to park. Like, by then, my dad had been to Toronto 100 times, you know? So, like, he was this dad who he knew where he was going to park. He knew what way he wanted the car to face so he could get out earlier after. Like, he was real Clark – Gris- Clark Griswold. He was real into that shit. So, like, yeah. we got there. So we got there early enough – but then I remember as it got closer and closer, just the people were everywhere. People were – I'd never seen so many, like, Hulk Hogan shirts or, you know, it just felt like I was in the middle of wrestling heaven or something. Right. You know, because people everywhere were around. And someone did come up to me with the camera at one point. I don't know what it was for. I never did. Um, saying, you know, I was, so I was always watching for myself, saying – Who's going to win, Hulk or, or, you know, Warrior? Who do you want to win? Um, oh, I'd love to see that footage. I know. I, who knows? It could have been the Toronto News. It could have been 
So WWF Coliseum video. Yeah, who knows? Because I didn't. None of us rented the Coliseum videos because we had taped off pay per view. So maybe Steve Bennett's on the WrestleMania Six Coliseum video that I've never seen. No, I've checked. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you've checked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because then when the Coliseum home video came out, I thought in my head, I bet you I'm going to be on that. Because I remember seeing it on that and the WrestleMania three one. Them asking people about Hulk and Andre. So I was sure it was that. So I was sure to my dad that I was going to be on that. And, of course, I found out I wasn't, and I was disappointed. Um, but obviously I said Hulk. Uh, we went in. Like I said, we were one of the like the first people in the place. And it was the first time I was ever there, and I couldn't believe how damn big it was. Um, I had been to Bill's games by then, but this is inside. So it feels so different. You know, it was the first time I was in an inside stadium. Um, with a roof like that. Yeah, I, I I don't believe I've ever been in an inside stadium. Yeah, and it just felt yeah. so big. It felt like, you know, the odd in Buffalo went on steroids and was five times bigger all of a sudden. And my dad said, let's see where our seats are. And then we got time. We kind of walk around, you know. And I swear to God, we started walking in my seats. And by the time we got to these goddamn seats, I lost six pounds. I mean, we were <laughs> so far from where we walked into the building. Now, we walked out in a better spot. But where we walked in, we were so far from our seats. And when I looked down to the ring, the first thing I thought was, we made a big mistake. Yeah, I, you know, I remember the, my first ever uh, wrestling match in general. Uh, I was in the Meadowlands Hogan against Killer Khan '87, and I just for the first couple of matches, I was just so disappointed that you couldn't hear announcers. Right? There weren't even there weren't even any announcers, you know. But I was a seven year old kid. But I'm like, what? You hear boom, boom, boom. The ring. It's just like, uh, you know. Yeah. So, you know, but then when the dog, junkyard dog came out and you know, started getting a little, all right, then you know, I started get it started changing my feeling. I didn't. Of want, course, Hogan. Like I don't want to. I don't want to seem ungrateful. I just remember looking at it and thinking, I can't see that. I can't see anything. And once wrestlers got in and people got in, you could see more. And there were screens everywhere. You can see them when you watch it back. You can see the screens. And I think there was even more than you could see on camera. Um, and, and, and up where we were sitting, there was like some monitors they had up too. You could watch on the monitors. So there were screens and stuff everywhere. But you, you get into that thing where you're you're struggling, like, do I want to look at the screen or do I want to look at the ring or what do I want to look at? You want to focus too much on the screen. Um, but anyway, so we put our shit down and then we went back down a couple levels. We got a program, the Best of Six program, um, which I had like until college and then. I don't know what happened to it. You know how shit gets. I think I actually think I have it. I have three. I know that. But I had the one like right from the thing, um, from the place. We got that. Um, we got food. You know, we got. Um, I got a Hulk Hogan T-shirt. Um, what else did I get? A headband and wristband set. Um, Beautiful. I didn't get a foam finger. I think cause I already had one. Um, and you, I had that, you had that from the, the taping in Buffalo. Yeah. The yep. Uh huh. So I didn't get that there. And then I got um, some kind of like WrestleMania six. Um, like it was like a sticker set kind of um, that I had that I remember. Um, 
it had all the different logos and stuff. Um, and I and I played with that when I was a kid. I'd stick them, and then they were all stuck and gone. Um, it was like a, maybe like five bucks was a sheet of WrestleMania six stickers. Those are cool. They used to have those. Oh, was in the delis over here, like Nightmare on Elm Street one. Yeah, that's exactly what all it was. Kind of, like yeah, that sticker kind of books, Gremlins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I it was like a like wrestling that. or WrestleMania yeah. six themed one or whatever that I got that day. Very cool. That's probably Pretty worth cool. a lot of money. But you know, I was six or I was ten. I fucked around with it, played with it. Um, but that's what I kind of remember, like pre-show. Like I said, we crossed the border early after breakfast. I remember we went to Altan's. Remember my dad ran an errand in Toronto. I remember thinking, how the hell does he know a store here that he wants to get a fucking wallet or something? It was like some leather store, and he wanted to get something leather. You know, you could have got it too. I know you didn't. You weren't too into the LJNs back then, but the black cards in Canada were available in stores here in the, in the states. We had to order them. Uh, through the wrestling ring in Baltimore, Maryland, for sixteen ninety nine a pop back then in nineteen eighty nine. So they probably were still lingering around the stores in uh, April of ninety over there for you know six seven bucks. Yeah, and then like I was walking around, I was like, like kind of like introducing myself to people. And, like I met this one kid; his name was Adam, and he was like a pretty cool kid. And he was with his friend, whose name was I think Jason. And like I talked to them for a while, and then we we like walked around. I met this other guy named Lance. He was kind of cool. And then I met this kind of hot blonde, um, this chick named Renee, and hung out with her for a while. You got to be going somewhere. This how could you remember all these names? <laughs> no, these are all. Wait, the- make the Edge Adam Copeland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm on to you, brother. <laughs> it was Edge Christian, Lance Storm, and Renee Paquette were all there as well. Okay, uh, Renee Paquette <laughs> is is um um. The announcer, right? The yeah, blonde. Dean, a- Dean Ambrose's Dean, wife. John Moxley, yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did not know she was there. I have a lot more respect for her. Not that I didn't have respect for her, but I just thought she was just some whatever. I knew nothing about uh, wrestling, but if she was at WrestleMania 6, huh? Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, I did not know that. Yeah. I hung out with her that day. It was sweet. <laughs> did you really meet, no. meet them? Or, oh, no. But how would you even know? Yeah, you wouldn't even yeah. know who they were. Yeah, duh. I'm just fucking That's a stupid question. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know anything like. Is there any questions you think of you want to ask me? Maybe or should we just kind of go through it? I can mention as we things go. I think of as we go. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. So let's like said, one thing I wanted to mention about this. It's the last Gorilla and Jesse. You know, it's kind of their last. Their last hurrah, really, right? Because he's gone by SummerSlam, Jesse. So. Yeah, right. Uh, he's he uh, Piper does the superstars before SummerSlam. So yeah. Jesse was there right up until uh, right up until. Uh, SummerSlam, crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, it, it took me a while to adapt uh, with no Jesse. You know, I'm a giant. I like Piper better than Jesse. You know, as a I'm a bigger Piper fan per se, but not on the mic. Obviously, you know what I mean. Um, uh, I I just it, it it took a while. It was it was a big loss. We opened the show with the iconic intro video narrated by Vince, setting the stage for the ultimate challenge. Grill and Jesse welcome us into the monstrous sky dome where the crowd is rocking. It was a great crowd all night. I remember that. That intro, galaxies of space. I just watched it the other day. Even Uh, where we were sitting, this is one thing I will say, even where we were sitting in the nosebleeds, and this is why I hate being like in the high levels at concerts because usually people suck, but it was hot even up there. People were into it all day. I stood pretty much all day. Did you do the wave and the Jake the Snake match? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um... 
Uh, Jesse says, I've been to the World Series. I've been to the Super Bowl. I've even been to the Rolling Stones. Love when he says stuff like that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Goulet sings the anthem. Um, gets Great job. And, and yeah. he, um, he, my Uncle Tito told me, uh, as we were actually watching WrestleMania 6 Live, Goulet had messed up the United States National Anthem some, somewhere. Yeah, he was gun shy. I believe, yeah. So they got him for this. You know, to kind of build him back up, and you can see when he finally gets it right. I think Bruce Pritchard has said this. He, oh Canada, he really starts smiling and everything. And something about how just as he finishes, Coco Beware's music hits. There's some good feel to that. It's just like perfect. And Goulet's all smiling, and Coco's music hits, and I don't know, just got some warm like comfort out of that right there. That part of WrestleMania six. Yep, uh, Coco Beware. And Rick Martel, the model, is the first match. Uh, model's full gimmick at this point, music included. Um, the carts are back. Carts are back, brother. Yeah, I read, and that was one thing I noticed before the show started. I was like, Dad, look at they have the carts again. Uh, and never, never came back again. Yep. Uh, Coco heads down. To my knowledge, get, unless they had some kind of retro show that I missed, but I don't think so. We get the classic Gorilla and Jesse. Axel Rose conversation with Gorilla saying, "Oh, that Axel." And you know what? Yeah, yeah. And and pay per view here in Carney and Comcast, the the sound went down, so you could hear them. And we were big Guns and Roses fans at the time, and you could hear. Well, I'm still am, but you could hear them talking about it. But we had to like really put the volume up to hear what 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 they were saying about Guns and Roses. Then boom, the sound came back on. Oh. That would happen to pay, the pay per views. Would always like you get like a scramble for like. Three seconds, like oh, no, 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 boom, and it will come back on and everything. Pay per view was 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 crazy back then. I should mention that it was thing. a dark match. Okay, what was that? Uh, I can't remember. What Paul that was. Roma defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. All right, and when I tell you nobody cared, nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, it was. That's what they did testing out the lights yep. and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but in the end, Rick Martel defeats Coco Beware by submission. It's quick, three fifty one singles match. And I can tell you right now, it didn't feel like WrestleMania until the next match when Demolition's music hit. And when Demolition started to come out, I felt, holy shit, we're at WrestleMania. Um, one thing I'll say, too, I don't remember seeing the interviews and stuff in between. I'm pretty so you, didn't sure... hear the, about, you didn't hear about the colostomy no, connection? I'm pretty <laughs> sure we didn't. They didn't show that stuff. I remember when I went to... My first pay-per-view as, like, an older dude, I went to, um, I'm trying to think what was first. Was it Survivor Series Deadly Game or Over the Edge? I went to one in Hamilton where Steve Austin was in a triple threat match in the main event, and then I went to the Survivor Series Deadly Game. Whatever one it was, the one thing I noticed at that one is, oh, wow, they show everything now on the screen and stuff. Yeah, Titantron. Yeah, yeah, and I just remember noticing that versus, you know, what I remembered as a kid being at WrestleMania, that we we were in the dark for all that stuff. Um, uh, But the second match, um, it's sort of, in a way, for me, the highlight of the night. Uh, Demolition Accent Smash defeat the Colossal Connection, Andre the Giant, and Haku with Bobby Heenan at 9.30 for the Tag Team Championship. And it is the... It is comes over great on TV, but I can tell you now it doesn't even pay justice to how absolutely apeshit the Skydome went when 
demolition got the pinfall. Um, yeah. And I remember just being so happy and thinking to myself, if you think that's sweet, wait until this crowd goes off on Hulk pins warrior. Right. And that's, I just remember having that thought, like looking around and saying like, wow, people are this excited for demolition. Imagine what they're going to be like when Hulk pins this guy. Um, but yeah. And then of course we get the angle. Um, after the match, Demo walk off, and Bobby gives Andre the business, slapping him around and berating Saying, him. Motherfucker. Yelling, too. I'm the fucking yeah. boss. I'm the fucking boss, yeah. Yeah, Andre eventually grabs him by the neck and smacks him across the face and slugs him down to a huge pop. Haku tries to attack, but he gets caught and swatted and headbutted as well. Good headbutt, too. Uh, Andre ambles out and rides off into the sunset on the cart. Closing out his GOAT career with a wonderful moment and ovation. All-time classic. Now, this is one of those things you don't appreciate as a kid that I really appreciate as an adult. Like, I was there to see Andre transition back from the dark side and to get that ovation at WrestleMania. And I know it's not his last appearance. I know he's back and he's around. But at a WrestleMania... After what we had been through with Andre for the last his last televised WWF match. Yeah, but he had been through the last three years, you know, to see him and to be able to cheer for him. And I remember just telling my dad, like, oh, thank God he's finally not with Heenan, you know, but unfortunately. Until 10, t- until 10 days later. Until in 10 days later. Well, luckily, <laughs> I, luckily, I didn't, I didn't know. Well, I just that. found that out today. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, I remember being um, shocked that the tag team title match was second because that was something they never yeah. did uh, back then. And, and so the that, tag that team called... title matches had been late historically. Um, right. The the, uh, the fr- At one, it was like uh, maybe middle of the card. Um, at two, it was in Chicago, but the last match is Chicago. Yeah, two doesn't count. Yeah. And then th- three, it was after the break. There was none, but really. Tech, well, right, being but the a, tag team I know, I know titles were the first match after the break. Yeah. And then four, it was one, the second last match. Right. And five, it was relatively early in five, I guess. First, in the middle. First third, maybe maybe middle. End of the first third. If, uh, yeah. So, But, yeah, it was very early uh, to get the – they would often do the intercontinental title matches early. Uh, but I don't know that they ever did a tag team title match this early. They gave him nine minutes and 30 seconds, a really great match, and two really great moments, the pop for Andre and the pop for Demolition. Yeah, and I, w- I was starting to get at the point where I kind of would have some good predictions of what's what's going to happen at you know at these events at this time. Uh, and Andre turning good caught me off guard completely. And I remember being, you know, smiling. You know, I was really, really happy about it. Yeah, guy's back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he kicks him off the car, and Andre's riding alone. Just, that's a feeling, man. They even just watching it right now. It's 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 a nice feeling. Yeah, Haku just standing there. Then they all like kind of walk out together. It's <laughs> still they're like by the, the brain licking his wounds, and like Andre's still like right in front of them on the cart and stuff. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Good 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 stuff. Yeah, three peat demolition. They did the three peat there. And unfortunately, uh, you know, Axe with the uh, shellfish yeah. situation uh, screwed all that up for them. But there were still but, some uh, good moments for them ahead. 
Well, our favorite match, yeah, yeah yep. SummerSlam. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, next, Earthquake with Jimmy Hart uh, defeats Hercules at 4.52. Hercules is really running on fumes here, I think. Um, he's not very over. I remember, I remember just feeling coming down, you know? I feel like we were at a huge high, and we came down a little bit here. And I remember kind of the energy in the arena kind of be, being sucked out a little bit until maybe like around when Beefcake came out. Yeah, and yeah, Herc just—he—I'm he, he a big Hercules fan, but he, he didn't work as a face. I mean, maybe the very, very beginning, but even the him and DiBiase feud is kind of forgettable. You know, uh, who else did he feud with? Bravo, maybe. And um, yeah, just uh, you know, some of the Heenan guys—it just—it just didn't work as a face at all. And a big change was coming for him right after this. So he turns heel and starts teaming up with Paul Roma, his power and glory, and obviously Earthquake is going into main event status. So he get to, gets the big win here in a couple double sit-down splashes after the match. But it's nice to see Herc get up on his feet, not have to be uh, carted out. A moment for you, but not for me. Rona Barrett is with Miss Elizabeth, dressed very conservatively. Roma talks, talks up her looks and asks her where she's been, saying how missed she is. Liz says her wrestling role lately has been in an advisory role. Behind the scenes, she has been afraid to not being able to help enough physically before and is afraid that would disappoint her fans. Lately, she's been thinking about returning to ringside and promises to be much more active. Far more active, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Uh, Mooney's with Beefcake, who cuts up Perfect's perfect record. He says everyone has flaws, and after this match, he will sever the perfect record. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, what are you doing? I love that. <laughs> Goes into that. I want to go back with Liz, though. Uh, yeah. You know, Liz is so hot, but anytime certain, even girls, you know, that I know personally can go with that short hair, that, that mom look, you yeah, know, it's no. not the same. So nope. you, you, you lose, a, you drop down a point there. Don't do it. In my opinion. Don't yeah. cut your hair, girls. The, the worst of all is Carmella Soprano. Not that she was ever anything. Oh, to hideous. Deal with, but, uh, hideous. <laughs> Tony was damn right to say that. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Liz's uh, hair made her look, you know, like like the Carmella thinks older. she's gonna turn Furio on with that haircut. Yeah, <laughs> maybe she want to go to opposite. She had the long hair. Right. Oh, hideous! <laughs> uh, Looks like a dick coming out of his head. <laughs> Brutus Beefcake defeats Mister Perfect with the genius seven forty eight mistake. I think here to have Perfect take a pin. Or to lose the match. Um, but it doesn't really matter, I guess, in the end. I mean, perfect is perfect. He's awesome in this match. I remember him. I remember being able to see the top of his feet. You know, I remember saying to my dad, <laughs> that was the top of his feet. Because he was just head over heels in, like, the corner by us. And I remember making that comment to my dad. Like, look, at that's the top of his feet. But an unbelievable athlete. Um, uh, Jesse explaining... Why you say 180 instead of 360 is a great Jesse and Gorilla moment. Yeah. Gorilla just. Gorilla still no sells it. Doesn't care. <laughs> just, yeah. just blows it off, which is great. A lot, a lot of people. Brutus kind of won this match. A dumb, they made it kind of like a dumb luck. Yeah. Uh, when it wasn't like Beefer, decisive. Beefer slingshots him into the post and covers for the shocking huge win. Yeah. And a huge pop. And it was a huge pop. The crowd got really back into it. These guys did a really Pe- good job. People in hindsight. Have no idea how over Brutus the Barber Beefcake was yep. at this time. 
The parasailing accident destroyed him. When he came back as a mega maniac, the Hulk, and nobody cared about him anymore. Nobody cared about him in WCW. It, but up to this point, this guy was on fire. So for him to be, uh, he really wasn't the person that broke the perfect record. He was on a national television because the Warrior pin perfect on MSG Network, et cetera, et cetera. But nas- national television wise, this is Mr. Perfect's uh, perfect record being broke, and this was going to be the big feud. They were going to pass the Intercontinental title back and forth like uh, the Tornado ended up doing with, with Mr. Perfect. So it, w- it would have made sense in the long run. And isn't a story that Savage and Beefcake got in- into it because he wasn't supposed to um, – that wasn't in the uh, – yeah, 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 what happens is uh, Beefcake tries to trim Perfect's hair, but Genius sneaks off with the Clippers. Beaver catches him. Drags him back inside, puts him to sleep, and cuts his hair again. So he had already cut it once. You even you can see Lanny like really trying to get away. Like yeah. looks real. Jesse's like, outraged as usual. The perfect record is officially dead, and Beefer gets a career-making win. So yeah, I remember hearing there's some legit heat about this for sure. Uh, we right. get we get a recap of the Piper and bad news. Oh well, well I was want to add to it. Um, yeah. uh, uh, about Brutus's win here. Brutus is in the Intercontinental Tournament after this and is not successful. Mr. Perfect wins that. So that's like kind of like him getting his comeuppance now. Beefcake, you didn't win the tournament. I did. Then they were going to go on to, right. you know, it's boom, a story SummerSlam. They didn't get to boom. Finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was going to go back and forth between them. But because because Brutus uh, has the accident, it just looks like, boom, he, he beat Mr. Perfect because he's Hulk's boy. And, uh, and and that's it. But no, it was Conrad Thompson can't understand it for some reason. If Ric Flair's son-in-law can't understand it, I don't understand why I can. But um, yeah, it, it was gonna it was gonna go on and on. And Perfect would have had plenty of wins over over uh, Brutus. Uh, but go go right ahead. So I'm gonna throw it in there. Gene is with Piper, who has this infamous black and white body paint. He plays up a spurt, split personality deal. Call himself the Hot Rod, and the hot <laughs> when Scott. he turns around and yeah. starts singing Billy Jean, yeah, <laughs> he mocks Brown's eyeballs, giant ears, huge nose, and big mouth. <laughs> uh, Piper was one in a million. Oh yeah, uh, and Bad News is a guy I really like, and I wish that oh. they did more with them. Um, and these guys are good. The match is somewhat forgettable. They get six minutes and forty eight seconds. I don't know that it's their best match either, guy. They should have just beat the shit out of each other a little bit more. Um, I actually didn't watch it because I watched. I watched on. P- I mean, I've seen it a million times, but uh, for the podcast, I I, I didn't watch it because Peacock uh, edited it out. But man, I know the match. Oh, of course, how lame. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, come on. That's yeah. He, he was trying to make a point that you know we're all the same, black and white. Like Michael Jackson, black or white, yeah. Cindy Lauper, True Colors, uh, that type of thing. But you know how how things have gone nowadays. You know what I mean? Um, Whatever. Yeah, silly. Listen, yeah. some of Bad News's pay per view matches they don't hit for some reason. His best stuff on pay per view is walking out of Survivor Series. He had yeah. A, he had a few stinkers at SummerSlam. This is not great. Um, but it's not. I mean, he's good. So it's not him per se. It just I don't know. I know. Yeah, I know it was difficult to deal with too. There's only certain finishes he would agree to. He couldn't go off his feet a lot. I yeah. think he's very old at this point in his career. We didn't realize that at the time how old he was. Yeah, I think he was about 45 years old. One of the uh, great. One of the great moments. Are you ready? 
Steve Allen's in the shower with a piano and the bullshit. Oh, but, 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 I, I got one more thing for that. Sure. Mess, Steven. Yeah. Um, Piper's body paint. I'm sure you know this story. Oh, leaving some of our some yeah. of our listeners may not. Uh, there was a solution mm-hmm. for it to be to be removed. Asshole and Andre, wrestlers. Yeah. Andre the Giant Arnold Skolin changed the solution, took it away, and put regular water in it. So Piper was stuck with that black on him through the airports. He's walking with a giant teddy bear for his daughter through the airports, and Rick Martel's trying to scrub it off him with a toothbrush and. He was in that half black thing for like two weeks. He couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get her off because of Andre and Ar- Arnold Skull and uh, ribbing him. Friggin' wrestlers cool. in their ribs. <laughs> Unbelievable. Another thing I didn't see till much later, Steve Allen. And this is the one, this spot especially, when I watched it back on Monday after, after I didn't have to go to school on Monday, by the way. Um, and um, around noon or so, the guy down the street came down and gave us the video of it. Oh, cool. And I watched it. But this is something that jumped out like, oh, we did not see this. Uh, Steve Allen in the shower with a piano and the Bolsheviks come in to sing. But Allen fucks with them and plays some show tunes until the toilet flushes. Foolish (laughs) national anthem. Uh, I always thought he said that Boris says the Polish national anthem. No, I think he says foolish. Foolish? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I I think that's been debated. It goes back back and forth. Did he say send your postcards to him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Okay, uh, it doesn't yeah. matter to me either way. Yeah. Uh, me next either. up is the Hearts and the Bolsheviks, and it's uh, it's a, it's a nothing, right? Uh, Hearts come out first. Uh, they are indeed the top contenders for demolition after issuing their challenge. Big heat on the Russians as they come out. Uh, Gruller refuses to stand for the anthem. Jesse calls him disrespectful and asks why the singing quality matters. Uh, the Hearts attack mid-song and quit quickly. Finish Boris with the heart attack. My dad was a huge Heart Foundation fan and was really upset that they didn't get more time. Yeah, it's a little bit of waste of Brett. Yeah. You know, on a, on a, Canada, on a big show. Too, although that wasn't yeah. a big deal then. They didn't they did talk about him being from Canada. The gorilla certainly did. Um yeah, it wasn't I mean, as big of a deal. It was the number one contender match, kinda like building them up to be uh yep. to you know to work to, with demolition, of course. But uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more. Uh, I mean, Brett couldn't have done much with Boris and Nikolai anyway. You know, yep. I mean, probably so. Whatever, might as well make it quick, I guess. It's an ad for WrestleMania Seven next. Grill and Jesse talk it up, and Jesse's excited. It's in his town of Hollywood, and all his friends will be there. Grill says Jesse will want twenty-five to thirty thousand tickets just for his friends. Uh, Gene talks to Tito and puts over his versatile career. In WrestleMania experience, they talk about if Barbarian can also transition from tag team to singles. Tino says he will survive. Arriba, of course, last year, Tito was a loser at WrestleMania 5 and got left at the altar by that no good Rick Martel, who's now the model here. Uh, But Santana versus the Barbarian in a throwaway match that's very odd. I don't know how they landed on this, but the Bible. You know, I think it was announced before the Powers of Pain even um, did the uh, split up with the managers. So mm. I was like, what the hell? You yeah, know, Barbarian really and Tito. Yeah. The Barbarian but, uh, what Bobby Heenan defeat Tito by pinfall at 433. What were you going to say? Great match. And that, that clothesline at the end. Uh, they almost took Tito's head off, decapitated him. And it was a great little match. And Tito told me uh, personally. 
And uh, he was also, he's telling Jesse in that video, he's trying to tell Barbarian, like he was trying to help him. He traveled with the Powers of Pain. Remember when Powers of Pain first come in, his faces, they said Tito brought them in to go after Demolition because Demolition put Rick Martell out of action. Mm. So they were traveling together and stuff. So probably that's why this match was set up. Tito uh, tried to get uh, Barbarian over as a singles wrestler. And they pull off a good match. Like it's a good good match. match, yeah. And he was telling him, grab the rope for leverage, Barb. Grab the lo- re- lever- rope for leverage, Barb. And Barb would go, no, no, Tito. Make me look like coward. And Tito goes, that's the whole fucking point. Grab the fucking rope. <laughs> you, know? Like, you know? Yeah. So I always thought that was funny. That's really good. Yeah, Tito got a lot of shine in this one. Uh, but he put Barb Barbie over beautifully. He couldn't ask for more. Um, and we established what a force Bobby will be. For his uh, new charge. Good little match tucked in here, I thought. And next, we get a video recap of Rhodes and the Savage Feud. Uh, Muni uh, is Sean Mooney's with Rhodes and Sapphire. Dusty is all smiles and says the common man won't be motivating to the ring on a throne. And Sapphire won't be pretending to be queen. Dusty says they will get the job done and says Savage and Sherry are missing the crown jewel, which they have. Uh, Rhodes, Sapphire, and Savage. Great entrance for Savage and Sherry on the cart. Feels top shelf. Big match here with a hot build. Like, took forever. Yeah, and the first ever WWF mixed tag. Fitting to have Sherry involved. Big pop for Dusty and Sapphire. Likely at their peak popularity here. We get the iconic Jesse rant about Dusty and Sapphire's weight here. I love it. A true classic mania moment. I mean, Rhodes only weighs 200. <laughs> <laughs> Dusty grabs the mic and brings out Liz to be in the corner for a fun surprise and moment. And now at this point, remember, we had no idea Elizabeth was part, you know, was interviewed or anything. So it was a huge right shot there in the yeah, arena. Yeah. To see her um, as well. Um, yeah. So thoughts on this match. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the time because uh, I know you're wondering. Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire with Elizabeth defeated Savage and Sherry at 752. Uh, it was a fun little match. Um, I, I enjoy the angle better at the Royal Rumble with Brother Love uh, being involved and Sapphire jumping on his back. Oh, that's and all, all that kind time. Of crazy that's stuff. all time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, it. I mean, I mean, two of the all-time greats, top ten wrestlers of all time, Savage and Dusty Rhodes, here in this match. It's, it's fun, but I mean, it's. I guess Savage is. Oh no! I mean, better than the George Steele match to two, and probably better than the Crush match at ten. But uh, yeah, it was fun. Dusty, we loved Dusty as kids. We loved him. We imitated yeah. him, and uh, yeah, he, he, he we were big, big Dusty fans. We started like jobbing out in that feud with DiBiase uh, later in '90. It was it was disappointing. So uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was fun. It was a fun match. Gina's with Bobby, who's baby so faces went over. You know. Yeah, huge pop again. The pops were really. Sherry good looked great. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, get up. Uh, Gina's with Bobby, who's soaked in sweat and pissed off. Bobby shits on Andre, saying he wasn't thinking right and is supposed to take orders from him. And if you don't listen to him, you're never heard from again. Uh, Bobby, Bobby stammers and Gene trolls him. Bobby says Andre stood on the apron and watched Haku carry the whole load and promises to restart a new family with new members. Grill and Jesse are with Rona Barrett backstage. Rona teases some insider info on wrestlers, even though she says they have very clean images. She then says she has some dirt on Jesse, who laughs it off. She doubles down and says she has X-rated footage of Jesse, who thinks she is cute, confusing him with Sylvester Stallone. Rosa wants to show the film, but Jesse bails out. 
Uh, Mooney is with an enraged Savage and Sherry. Savage says suffering builds character. and that I never knew that Jesse knew Bubba the Love Sponge way back then. <laughs> what I don't know. I, you missed the reference, I guess. Like a sex tape. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Slipped that by me. Uh, Mooney's with an enraged Savage and Sherry. Savage says... Suffering builds character, and that mind games are his things. The crown jewel doesn't exist, and Dusty's going to suffer. They will never be embarrassed again, and Dusty will feel the wrath. Jesus Demolition, they're celebrating their win, and they talk about how great it felt in the closing moments. They say this one is the sweetest win because of the doubters and not being favorites this time. They knew they could do it, but they can't even celebrate because the hearts are coming for them. Gorilla and Jesse are now back in the booth. Gorilla says the director showed him Rona's footage and that it's nothing to worry about. Uh, all right. Let's get started here. Big moment. Jeans with Hogan, who says tonight he faces the ultimate challenge, and he crossed, and as he crossed the border, he hovered over the Sky Dome. Now, here's the thing for me as a kid. I was obsessed over wondering where Hulk crossed the border. I was like, did, did Hulk cross at the Peace Bridge? Cause that's right by my house. Maybe Hulk was in Niagara. Maybe he crossed at the at the Lewiston Bridge in Niagara Falls. Maybe Hulk went to see Niagara Falls. <laughs> oh, maybe he went to the Rainbow Bridge because you can walk across that. Could you imagine if Hulk walked across the Rainbow Bridge? He could have done it with the Hulkamaniacs. I was obsessed with that. <laughs> Where did Hulk cross the border? It was big, uh, big, big news in my house. Um, he was greeted by his Hulkamaniacs at the airport, which is where he really crossed. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. <laughs> and Warrior has to realize uh, that his people and his energy will be out in the crowd. The power lies inside his palms, and he will get Warrior on his knees and ask him if he wants to live forever. If Warrior says yes, he has to breathe his last breath inside Hulk's body, and they will save Warrior from the darkness. He will prove to his fans that this is about winning or losing, but what kind of winner or loser you mm. are. Uh-oh. Uh, and hopes Mm-mm. Warrior is a good loser. Uh, Not a good promo, brother. I'm glad I didn't see that ahead of time. Yeah, you're yeah. lucky. Yep. Uh, Mooney is with Warrior, and Warrior calls him a normal and says he doesn't deserve to breathe the same air as Warrior and Hogan and shoves him away. Warrior asks Hogan if he wants to live forever and says things can't happen in the mortal world, but the ideas and beliefs that he's given the Hulkamaniacs, Warrior can carry on as well. Warrior asks Hulk if he wants to walk in the darkness. Uh which shouldn't be feared, accepting any and all challenges at all costs of losing everything. And Hulk has lived through five manias for that belief, but it's time to take what Hulk believes in further than he ever could. He's not here to destroy him, but to bring the warriors and the maniacs together as one. The maniacs are coming through the pores of his skin, and he is not here to do harm, but to just take what they believe into places it has never been. Just a absolutely perfect warrior promo, rambling, circular. Who the hell knows what he just said? I don't. Uh, now these promos were taped in the afternoon, usually, right? Yeah. Again and again, they did not. Sh- I do not remember seeing them at the event. I cannot believe Vince let Holt's promo air. That was ridiculous. He never would say something like that before. It doesn't matter. If Although you win or he lose. does cap I, it off with, "I hope Warrior's a good loser." Yeah, but still, I you know if I were Vince, I'd be like, "Nah, Terry, come on, this you can't do this because people are ready." Intercontinental title on the line, you know, there's a lot of a lot of hints there. A lot of red flags were thrown, and I, however, when the match did start, I forgot about the intercontinental part. 
But uh, there's two big yeah. red, two big red flags that Hulk's going to lose there now already. But I mean, I, I, people bought the pay per view already, so they had the money. People were in the seats already, right? So I guess that's all that matters. And there was a big delay between the Dusty match and the next match, and me and my dad went and got food and stuff. I remember. We came back and there was like they, a, they used to show the five minute intermission, the yeah, clock will count down, and on all the, TV and cool. all those promos. Yeah, um, but I remember we came back. I remember like finishing my food and hearing the Rockers music, and saying, "Oh, we need to go back." And by the time we got back, there was like two minutes left in the match, which is the Orient Express Sato and Tanaka with Mister Fuji defeats the Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shaw Michaels by countout at seven thirty eight. Like I said, I didn't see much of this match in the moment. I watched it the other night. Uh, it's okay. I would expect better from these four guys, I think. Um, especially eight minutes is enough time, I think, to do something a little bit better than it was. It was like a two-and-a-half-star match for me. I would have, I think, seven minutes, the quality of the wrestlers, the excitement they can build. I would have liked to see more of a three-and-a-half-star match. But is what it is. Um, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I can't remember if WrestleMania 5 or 6 where the Rockers are severely hung over. I think it might have been 5. They were severe out all night, and that's why uh, it went a certain way. But it might have been the Towers at WrestleMania 5. Anyhow, um, these guys, when Sato left, uh, Paul Diamond came in as Kato, and the, the former Bad Company was reunited from the AWA. And they Kill had the awesome, day I die. Right. And they had an awesome match at Royal Rumble 91, the Rockers against the new Orient Express. Dirty AKA, for dirty. A.K.A. Bad Company. But, uh, yeah, this is just a... One of those early WrestleMania matches. It's like, okay, we got two teams Somebody on the roster. I liked how Janetti fell over the, uh, the guardrail. I thought that was kind of cool uh, for the count-out win for the Orients. And, um, yeah, just a WrestleMania tag match. You know, nobody nobody was really... Nobody... All right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit, a little bit of a bad company for me to handle for one night. Uh, I feel like making love. Um. Uh, what the fuck was I saying? He threw me up there. <laughs> dirty. Uh, it didn't, dirty. didn't really hurt. Didn't hurt either team. Yeah, it didn't hurt the Rockers. No. I don't think in, in, in no. any any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And I mean, they got demolished in WrestleMania Five. It didn't hurt them. You know what I well, mean? Well, I mean, yeah. look who they're who yeah. they're up against. They, they were bulletproof. Different story. They're bulletproof yeah. too, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Steve Allen's backstage with Rhythm and Blues and mocks their name. They're warming up their guitars and taking up their concert tonight. Talking up their concert. Excuse me. Steve says he hasn't been this excited since finding out Pee Wee Herman was straight. Ellen <laughs> tries to remember who hung Boy, did he have some news coming in about a year. Ellen <laughs> <laughs> uh, tries to remember who Honky Tonk reminds him of, and he lands on Elvis Costello. Or maybe it was Abbott and Costello. Honky Tonk Man does his delusional act and keeps hyping the song. Ellen says it will be as big as when Tiny Tim played. The Vince Lombardi rest stop. Uh, Tiny Tim, one of the great, <laughs> New Jersey, right? One yeah. of the great, great Howard Stern guests ever. Rest in peace. Uh, our the WWF guy too. Um, he was at Uncle Elmer's wedding, and then in '85 in the Meadowlands, and then he returned uh, in '93 to be a guest on the King's Court on Raw here at the Manhattan Center. Amazing. R&B strut off as Hammer says they're headed to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and Alan says he will call. And warn them they are coming. <laughs> that was good. Uh, did you know Steve Allen was time? I I did because he hosted a uh, Three Stooges like um, the marathon maybe or something. My grandfather was like, was like a big fan like, yeah. of him. Yeah, I knew who he was. 
you know, I like I knew who he was. I'm like, oh, that's someone Grandpa likes, you know, like that. Yeah, and I thing. had like I had taped that Three Stooges special and would watch it over and over. So I'm like, oh, Steve Allen. So I knew, you know, I knew exactly who he was. But if I, I hadn't caught that Stooges thing, I wouldn't have known who he was. Okay, uh, let's see where are we at. Uh, Duggan and Bravo, I believe, is next. Ho, dirty for dirty. Um, Jim Duggan defeated Dino Bravo with Jimmy Hart and Earthquake at 415 in a singles match. Um, Duggan's another guy. You forget how over he was in retrospect. Not sure this is his peak per se, though. On again, off again. Past. Off again, off again feud. I, crazy that he didn't have his music yet. Yeah. It must have came right after this. Directly after this. Quake and Jimmy are with Bravo, who's still hanging around. Duggan comes out with Old Glory and his board as Jesse calls him stupid for having the American flag in Canada. We get a lockup. The match, I'm not going to go blow for blow with it. It's nothing great. Um, Anything you want to add on this? Uh, It's just more of getting over Earthquake, getting ready for Hulk. You know, it's a double whammy. You get from Hercules, now you get to crush Duggan, two two of Hulk's buddies in in one night, you know, getting re- getting set up for the big, uh, getting ready to squash the Hulkster on the Brother Love show in, in about uh, two months. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, happy Duggan won. Uh, I kind of disagree with Jesse. I mean, that's his gimmick, USA, and there was no Canada and USA problems oh, at the yeah, time. Oh, yeah, Jesse's just trolling. Yeah, yeah. Trolling. But actually, Corporal Kirshner did used to come to Maple Leaf Gardens and carry out the, uh, the Canadian flag. Oh, good for him. Yeah. All right. Um, next, we get a video recap of the Roberts DiBiase feud, and then Gene is with Jake the Snake Roberts, who cuts an all-time promo, one of the best ever. Longfellow could not have said it better. Um, and yes. then we get to the grudge match. It is Ted DiBiase with Virgil defeats Jake Roberts by countout at eleven fifty, a singles match for the Million Dollar Championship. And this is the point, Dave, of the night. Where as a 10-year-old waiting for Hulk, that 11 minutes and 50 seconds felt like 6 hours and 39 minutes. Yeah, I thought you get a lot more out of these guys. Uh, not time-wise. It was just boring. Oh, it was my boring. God. Yeah. For two of the all-time greats. Oh, and my the cra- God. The crowd, do- the crowd doing the wave proves that. Why would they do the yeah. wave? I'm fucking bored. I couldn't you know? even get through it this time. It made no sense. It was a good fuse. DiBiase and Jake, like what's up here? Like what's, what's going on? Jake's they had another way better one. Matches at, the, at the garden. They had some, some classics. Jake's another yeah. guy. When you look back, he's got some stinkers on pay-per-view. Yeah. Worst yeah. match at WrestleMania four. Worst match. Whoa, at WrestleMania rude. Six. Yeah. 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 Then on Saturday night's main event, they have an exciting match, you know? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but this yeah. stinks. Um, This is my worst match of the night. It's because it's so damn yeah. long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. You, you only you only need uh, the main event to be long in this yeah. scenario, or maybe the tag title match a little bit. Uh, you know what? Well, how, how much can Haku do though? <laughs> but um, yeah. The time they gave perfect and um, and uh, Brutus is fine. You know, nine minutes here is fine. You know. That would perfect and Brutus is much much better and exciting and I mean, yeah. place placement on card also could play a role in it you know uh Brutus and Perfect was just under eight and the mixed tag was just under eight this should have been yeah. just under eight too yeah yeah this just this, this yeah not, not wasn't good 
Too long. All right. Um, what's next? Uh, Mooney's with Slick and Akeem. Akeem dances as Slick shits on Boss Man for not taking the big payoff because money is what it's all about. Slick is the happiest man in the world because Stevie took back his belt and he has paid them off in advance to take out Boss Man. Boss Man will do hard time. Akeem said, dogs that chase cars and law officers that don't take the money won't last in this world. Okay. Gene is with the boss man who's fired up. He may be poor, but he is proud to walk to the ring with a skinny, without a skinny pimp manager by his side and a tribal reject from Africa that is too fat to fit in the pot. He is proud to be an American, too. A little bit random here, but he's feeling himself. He's into it. How did he lose like 50 pounds so quick? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable weight loss. That uh, he, he was Survivor Series 89. He was still a big fat fuck, you know? And uh, and is Royal Rumble 90, he worked with Duggan. He was fat. That all of a sudden, I, I mean, I guess because we see TV and it's three weeks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he's, you know, rather... You know, he's still a little chunky, but he's not a big fat guy anymore, right, at this point? Yeah. It's like overnight. We had the Mega Powers explode at WrestleMania 5, and Bossman and Akeem explode here. Um, Extended Jive Soul Bro played forever, it seemed, with the ring cart. Boss not Man, wrong with that. Bossman already has his new pumped-up theme music, and he has a fun presence as he rides out. Um, the match is short, and... Not a lot to talk about, really. 149, boss man squashes Akeem with Slick. Well, nice attack by DiBiase on the boss man beforehand. He DiBiase stayed out there at ringside and uh, clotheslined the boss man before he even got in the ring and slammed him, too. Yep, and after on the outside. all that, yeah, he popped up out of nowhere, it seemed like. Um, set him up, but, you know, you're building up. Building up. A boss man here, and they did a good job doing it, I suppose. It was funny. That, that feud, DiBiase would, would go to, like, different places in Cobb County, Georgia, and shoot these vignettes, and the people he would pay the people off, and they would say how bad of a guy the boss man was. But then, you know, they had they had some house show matches, but it never really, some, by the time SummerSlam came, there was, there was never never a blow-off to the boss man DiBiase feud. I always found that interesting. Uh, Rhythm and Blues ride out with Jimmy. And the Honk Gats in the pink Cadillac for an all-time entrance. Driven by? D- uh, Dale's Page. Yes, sir. Jimmy is holding up the gold album with Jesse Gushes over. Honky Tonk Man works up the whole crowd and then gets right to business as he and Hammer debut the, the brand-new hit single. It's obviously terrible. Hammer looks scared shitless during his one solo line. It finally ends. And then some merch vendors walk around the ring before Honky Tonk Man reveals them as the Bushwhackers. Uh, they get in the ring and clean house and destroy all the equipment. Um, it's just this is just a little filler, filling a little time, having a little fun, light moment. brother. Yep, I fucking love it. It's good. Love honka honka honky love. Great song. Love how Sean Mooney was interviewing people in the crowd before it. I saw the Bushwhackers wrestle him at the Meadowlands shortly after this, and Honky and Greg would come out earlier in the car card and do the song. And people were bo- getting behind it, singing along. I think could have been a babyface run for Rhythm and Blues. You know, Honky was starting to get, you know, you're a bad guy for so long, you're do- doing this thing. And I don't know, I think the people were starting to like him a little bit. Uh, you know, it's so cheesy, it's good with Valentine. 
yeah. and stuff. Boxcar. Yep. Roy Orbison. And, uh, you know, that's Luke. That's Butch. The Bushwhackers. He, like, gives them an introduction. And he comes storming in the ring. I don't know. I love the, the, the hokey stuff in uh, WWF. You know, I'm a big Tuesday Night Titans fan. This would be something right out of that, you know, yeah. that they would have done on that show. So, yeah, I, w- I was for well, Maybe not per se had to be at WrestleMania. You know, they could have done this on Superstars or something, but uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. Gorilla and Jesse talk about the crowd, and then Fink makes the official attendance announcement. 67, 678. Now, my dad, I told you he's a planner. In the program was like a white sheet of paper with the card, and we were kind of writing on it, you know, who won, stuff like that. And at this point, I don't remember if they were in order or not, but at this point, the only ones left were these two. And my dad said, all right, let's go to the bathroom and stuff so that as soon as the Hulk match ends, we can get out of here while he's posing so that we can get to the card or get to the car because, you know, he wants to be traffic. Like the whole time we're there, my dad just worried about being the traffic at the end. Right. Um, And it's going to take us 38 minutes to walk out of the goddamn building. We're so far up in it. Um, So, yeah, so I didn't see this match there. Um, but the match I'm talking about is Rick Rude with Bobby Heenan defeated Jimmy Snuka in a singles match at 3.59. Hate seeing Snuka lose clean. Uh, it's, what are you going to do? Yeah. But uh, they're, they're building Rude up for Warrior, you know, for uh, that's going to be his, his first uh, feud with uh, Warrior's new title. But, uh, you know, Rude could have put his foot on the ropes for leverage or something. Could give Jimmy some respect here. You know, he did a lot for the. For the WWF, especially bringing them up, you know, with the whole rock and wrestling connection, and even before that, you know, he was the number one. You know, it's, you know, I'm not saying he should have beat Rude, not, not at all, but you know, put those feet on the ropes, hold the ropes for leverage or something. Seeing Jimmy taking a Rude Awakening was uh, to, didn't sit well with me. And I'm sorry, I, I heard what you said about you, you want Dad wanting to beat the match if Hulk won while he was posing or whatever. But why did you miss this one? Oh, we went we went to the bathroom and stuff. Oh, to get ready for the yeah. Bathroom. So that yeah, okay, we, right. he wanted like it's he want we went to the bathroom because we had an hour drive after too, you know. So he's like, let's go to the bathroom now. We threw out our garbage and shit. We kind of like got ready to watch the match so that when the match ended, we could walk out while Hulk was posing and the music was playing and stuff. Yeah, uh, they played the video package Hogan and Warrior, and then here we go. Time for the Mammoth main event. Perhaps a torch passing, end of an era. It's epic. Either way, Warrior shoes the cart and charges to the ring, making him feel even more unique tonight. It's bullshit. It should have been Hulk. And he gets a monster pop. Hogan equals the pop. Still on top of his game as an icon. Bigger. Bigger. Jesse, well, you were there. But... Oh, it was bigger. For sure, Hulk was bigger. Yeah. Hulk was 70-30, I would say. In oh, wow. That much bigger. 60-40. I mean, in terms of the pop itself, I don't, I don't know. But in terms of like who was there rooting for Hulk versus Warrior, I'd say it was 65, 35. Yeah, and Hulk's also, Toronto's a big yeah, Hulk, oh yeah. uh, town, too. Hogan, so if it was somewhere else, it might have been different. Hogan shirts everywhere you looked. There was Warrior stuff, don't get me wrong, but Hogan was clearly the fan favorite. Uh, Jesse thinks Warrior sweating more is a sign, and it is clear what side he is on. No surprise. Uh, we get a great face-to-face as they slowly take off their belts and stare each other down. The crowd is all riled up as the bell rings. We start with a huge lockup, which Warrior wins, and then off a second one, Hogan shoves Warrior hard into the corner, out of it, 
It's followed by a test of strength with both bulls struggling for advantage and then trading off control with the crowd erupting when Hogan got forced to his knees. I don't know about that. Uh, this. Oh, I should take a break here. Thanks to Justin uh, Rosero from the North-South Connection for all these notes tonight. Just saves me the time to have to rewrite them. Uh, that, I think that... Yeah, thank you, Justin. Yeah, they already exist. Thanks to North South Connection, Place to Be Nation, and Justin. I think the crowd was more gasping. Like, oh, that you know, I, like, yes, got him down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the slow power build to show equality is really well done. Battle of Gods. They break the hold, and Hogan hits a, a big slam, but Warrior no sells it. We get the rumble crisscross, and Warrior hits a slam, and Hogan's back is jarred. Warrior clotheslines Hogan to the floor, and Hulk grabs his knee and is in serious pain. As he pops up and is hobbling. Jesse is pissed that this could end with an early injury. Warrior goes out and clocks Hulk, who tells the ref his knee is gone, but that he is going to get back in. Hogan does crawl back in, and they start to choke each other, which Jesse eats up. Uh, the ref then breaks them up, which allows Hogan to come firing away and then landing heavy rights in the corner. Gorilla thinks Hogan's kneecaps, kneecap slipped out and back in. Uh, Hulk starts to really take over here, grabbing a close near fall on some elbows. Hulk grabs a front face lock, and Gorilla says it's a rough hold, and Jesse makes a rich <laughs> Richard Belzer crack. Hogan gets a small package for two and then goes on a chin lock. Hogan releases and hits a clothesline for two and then goes back to a chin lock. Jesse's great here. He always is. Uh, really bringing his A game for this huge match despite his issues with both men. Hogan hits a back superplex for two and goes right back to the chin lock, but Warrior Ventral powers up to his feet and breaks the hold. Warrior hits the ropes. We get a double clothesline, and both men are out. I remember this. I remember just saying, come on, Hulk. Come on, Hulk. Come on, Hulk. Hulk hits a back. Um, Shit, I lost my place. Okay, here we go. Jesse's great here. Hogan hits a back superplex for two and goes right back to the chin lock, but Warrior eventually powers up to his feet and breaks the hold. Warrior hits the ropes. We get a double clothesline. Both men are out. Both men get up. They break the count, but Warrior starts to really amp up, shaking the ropes and shrugging off Hulk strikes in a dose of his own medicine, giving Hulk a dose of the Hulk and up medicine. Warrior unloads with strikes and clotheslines as Hulk is in trouble, and the crowd is sensing it. Hogan collapses off an Irish whip to the corner, but Warrior picks him up and suplexes him for two. Warrior grabs a bear hug and hangs on for a bit as Jesse breaks down the difference in fan interest here, saying the youth seem to be behind Warrior, not this youth. Hogan punches <laughs> free and Warrior... Two youths. Yep. Warrior punches free and Warrior ends up colliding into the ref and wiping him out. Warrior goes up top and hits a pair of double axes and then tries a driving shoulder block, but Hulk sidesteps it and pancakes him. Hulk covers and has three, but the ref is out, and this is what I knew, Dave. I said, you yeah. got to be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Uh, triggering a visual fall there, and Jesse notes the irony of Hulk being saved by Which this is not in true. the past. Of course, it's not. It, one time, the big event uh, after Heenan hit Hulk with a stool, Orndorff covered him, and the ref was out. I've seen multi, uh, yeah, countless house show matches, every pay per view match. That's never happened where someone is on top of Hogan and the ref was. Was knocked out. Yeah, they weren't given. They weren't given every guy that wrestled Hulk a vi you know a visual. They weren't doing that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Warrior gets a back suplex and covers, but there's still no ref, which was shrewd to call it even and not tipping anything, right? So they both kind of got a visual fall there. So you're still not sure. I knew though in my heart. 
Weyer covers again, and Hebner crawls over and counts a super close near fall. Hogan rolls up Weyer and gets two Hulk hammers away and drives Weyer over the top with a back elbow. Hogan goes out, and they trade blows there, surely scaring people and thinking a double counter. I was hoping for one at this point. Uh, <laughs> they tangle there, and Hulk eats the post. Back inside, Weyer hits a clothesline and drops Hulk with a grill press and a big splash, but Hulk blows out of it. He blew right out of it and hulks up to a mega pop, and it seems like this is probably it. And I remember thinking, oh, thank the Lord. Yeah, me too. Yep. I, I was ready for it to be over. Hogan shrugs off the blows and starts unloading, hits the big boot, but comes up empty on the leg drop. And Warrior hits the splash for the win and the title to a monster pop. I don't know about that. Warrior celebrates as Hogan asks the gods what's up. Hogan grabs the belt and hands it to Warrior. They hug, and he rides off into the sunset. Jesse takes a shot at Don King and Tyson, saying even Hulk says even says Hulkamania will live forever. Put him over a little. Warrior stands tall to end it, an all-time classic mania match that built and built like a power battle of gods, dead even, back and forth, until the last mistake cost Hogan. Warrior earned this one, and the match was better than it had any right to be. The crowd was with him the whole time. Commentary is amazing, a true gem, and a big-time moment as Hogan passes the torch clean, a shocking moment, a new era, and, of course, Justin, that weaselly little bastard, gave it four and a half stars. <laughs> um, I'm going to go five, though. But It's still a good rating. Listen, when Hulk lost, I turned to my dad, and I said, let's go. That's yeah, all. No I wanted yeah. no part of it. I didn't see the... As soon as the bell rang. Oh, you didn't even see the passing on the tour. As soon as the bell rang, we looked at each other and I said, let's go. Mm. Because now this is the second time this has happened to me in three years. <laughs> where, where I am at a title defense for one of my top two wrestlers in the world. And they have lost the belt right in front of me. It's the first time ever that Hogan lost a match I could remember. That wasn't just complete shenanigans like, you know, the main event or whatever. That was it at the time. Yeah. For for, for good guy Hogan. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a tough, tough pill to swallow. It was a long walk back to the car and a long drive home. And I remember the next day having to go out with Windex and paper towels to clean the window. My dad made me go out and literally wash the tears and snot and whatever else I left on the passenger window. Snot nose kid. Crying the whole way home. I had to go clean it off with Windex the next day. My dad said to me when we pulled in, don't worry about school tomorrow. Tell your mom you don't have to go to school tomorrow. And I was like, no, you tell her. So he came to the door with me, told my mom, don't make him go to school. She said, okay. And then I walked away, and then I guess they talked for a few minutes about how upset I was and how I cried. And then my mom told me, like, the whole debate then was, did they blow it? Should they have not done that? Because now am I still going to want to get good grades if the reward is that I have to go watch Hulk Hogan lose the belt? So it put my – Did your friend bring your books home? That used to be the thing when you called out of school. Oh, hell no. I I didn't want no books. Um, we, I, we had no choice. They would just doorbell would ring. They uh, they um, 
I watched Mania, and then when my friends got home, I brought the tape over and we watched it again. Wild. I wouldn't watch Hulk though. So, all right, Dave, your thoughts on the main event? I mean, in hindsight, I love it. You know what I mean? It's one of the all-time, uh, just probably my second favorite WrestleMania uh, after three. Uh, I think it's Hulk's third biggest WrestleMania match. Andre, The Rock, and this. Savage being fourth. Yeah, that's probably And, yeah, and, um, you know, again, like I say, I was a little sharp to the business. The title for title bullshit had me, but I did had me thinking, ah, then that interview Hulk did, like, ah, this ain't happened. But it, that when the match was so good, that all kind of came out of my head. So I was ready for the, the, the leg drop and the pin when it was happening. Like, he is going to win. But it just like all the energy just it just came out of me. You know what I mean? And and um, uh, I, I, that's why you can't have these. And the Warrior lost a lot of fans that way. The title run d- didn't work. It was a bomb. You know, he had no one to work with. And um, it's just it, 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 it's a shame. You know, I mean, it, 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 if they wanted to have Mr. Perfect take it off Hogan and then Warrior take it off Mr. Perfect, people might have liked the Warrior better. But WrestleMania 6 wouldn't have been as big. You know what I mean? Like Warrior against Mr. Perfect, the main event, you know? So we have this huge main event, this huge, in hindsight, match that we all love, but it didn't work. That's why, you know, uh, we didn't see it at seven, uh, the rematch, Hulk getting his win back. So that, that was, that was the, I think, the plan at the beginning. Then you got to start getting all that Iraqi war stuff. Uh, seemed like a better way to have a transitional champion, give it, give it back to the Hulkster that way. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know what to think. I thought maybe that was it for Hulk. He's retiring, you know, and then even with the earthquake thing, uh, you know, ch- several weeks after this, I thought, you know, that might be it. It's the movies, you know what I mean? We didn't know that. No, no Holds Barred wasn't, was a B movie. You know what I mean? We didn't. Every All the kids loved it. You know what I mean? It wasn't. We thought he was, was going to no be this big movie, movie to yeah. me. Yeah, I was ready. Yeah, we, I, we didn't know that. I then. was there so opening we thought, night. Yeah, yeah, we thought it was he was going to be a movie. He's going to be a movie star now, and the Ultimate Warrior is going to be the wrestler. You know, so that 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 that's what what I was thinking. Like, oh, you know, they even had some thing on NBC after the the uh, February's main event. Before this, Hulk, are you leaving for Hollywood? He's like, oh, Disney's interested in you, and I had seen that. He's like, I'm gonna body slam Donald Duck, brother. So that that that's what was going through my head. That that it's over. You know, he's gonna be he's gonna be in the movies now. But then he stuck around. You know, then uh, you know that Saturday night's main event, he beats Mr. Perfect. You know, he sticks around for a while, and then we get our whole SummerSlam angle that we love so much. And um, yeah, I mean, I think a couple of the gir- girls in uh, in class in fourth grade when I brought tape the next day were crying when he was going out on the uh, all right, on the cart. all yeah. right, I, yeah, yeah it's a little shot there. All right, one of the girls. Listen, yeah, no, no, uh, listen no. here. Well, okay. I had seen it already the day before. <laughs> I was in person. Oh yeah. All right, that's uh, unbelievable. My own show. I'm getting insulted. <laughs> called one of the girls. Yeah. I have to reevaluate well, I don't want to lie this here. Maybe, 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 maybe the teacher was crying too, but she was a woman. Uh, but uh, Mrs. Spawn, rest in peace. Unbelievable. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Warrior. I'm not gonna call him a flash in the pan because he was so over. But um, 
it just the Hulk had too much left in the tank. You know, if if Warrior got this hot in like '92 instead of '90, you know what I mean? Maybe things would have worked out a little better for him. Well, if there was no steroid scandals and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it just there was too much left in the tank for for it to work for Warrior here. And um, we got some in the questions. We got some more stuff that I won't bring up till and till allegedly do the questions. Allegedly, Vince and Pritchard in the limo uh, after yeah, and Oakland too. Yeah, already knew they did the wrong thing. So yeah, fuck them. He couldn't beat Warrior either, though. Fuck that. Yes, he could have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, he he was over. And he got a lot. Ah, of momentum. he could have been. No, there's no shame in a loss to Hulk. It doesn't kill anyone. Give me a break. Uh, Meltzer thought that at the time that there was going to be some interference and both guys were going to keep their belts. So that may have been a, a a way to go without hurting, you know, without hurting Warrior that way and have them pose together in the ring and have Warrior and Hogan against Bravo and Earthquake at SummerSlam. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think what Vince and Pritchard mean is, is the whole idea was the, the wrong way to go. It should have just had Hulk beat another monster heel. Five stars. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. We still got some shit to do. We got to read some emails. We got to do some plugs, and uh, we will tell you what we're going to do in the next 24-inch podcast. Oh, yeah. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every I am a real American Fight for what's right Fight for your Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. One last segment. Really enjoyed that WrestleMania six, one of the great shows of all time. Don't forget, you can listen to this podcast. Also, our coverage of WrestleMania one, WrestleMania eighteen, WrestleMania two. We done any others? Uh, WrestleMania eighteen. One. The Rock. Yep. One, two, six, eighteen. Is that it? Eight. Eight. Okay. Getting there. I think that's it. One, two. I'm knocking them out. Three and five. We're going to do in a much different way, um, but. Um, yeah, so far so good, and eventually we'll do redo two as well since that was the pilot. Why five? Why five in a different way? because uh, this the whole angle of the explosion. All right, the, the whole year. Build. Yeah, we'll right. cover that a little bit different. Yeah. Three will really be the one that's like ten episodes probably. I, I it's in my head. I'll explain it to you someday how I want to do it. Um, oh yeah, I think yeah, I think I have an idea. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Don't forget you can listen to this podcast, all episodes of the twenty four inch podcast. And the Sportscasters podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports-casters. You can also find us on Twitter uh, at sports underscore casters or at 24inch podcast. Uh, email me, the sportscasters at gmail.com or at uh, uh, or 24inch podcast at gmail.com as well. You can find the 24inch podcast on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Gmail. Like I said, we're all over the place. Request the group on Facebook, 
24 underscore inch underscore podcast on Instagram. Gotta get Dave hustling over there again. Make it worth his while. Um, and 24 inch podcast and uh, sportscasters, of course. Uh, Joe Davis, the debut of him a couple weeks ago. Um, and Jack Curry was on the other day to talk about the 1998 Yankees. All right, Dave, emails, things like that. What do you got? Uh, we're going to start off with a man that is no angel, but however, hails from the city of angels, Tim Mangione. Tim. Um, right. Uh, he just has a nice comment for us this, this week. Uh, he was going to just mention, great show last time. You guys were on fire and met, and mentioned my mom. To, uh, no periods. All right. I was going <laughs> to just mention, great show last week, you guys. You guys were on fire. And now he wants to mention, my mom took me to Atlantic City for Mania 4 and 5 and watched WrestleMania 3 at Hackettstown High School on Giant Screen Cold Circuit. Then for the first time, WrestleMania 6 was the one he ordered on pay-per-view. Wild, he says, which that is. And screw CM Punk, which couldn't agree with more. Thank you, Tim. And uh, also to Tim, Jury 453, Tracy Hampton to you. All right, what else we got? Uh, still for me, okay, we are going over to the text messages, and we are going to go to Jamie from Queens. How you doing, Jamie? Jamie, Pearl Jam question, hopefully. Let's see. At this point, it's been talked to death, but I wanted to get your thoughts on Hogan handing the Ultimate Warrior the WWF ch- Championship belt after the match. Some people say that it was selfish of Hogan. <laughs> To steal Warrior Spotlight, while other people think it helped Warrior by giving him the seal of Hogan's seal of approval. As somebody that was cheering for Hogan, Hulk handing Warrior the belt helped soften the blow of the loss. I agree there. What are your thoughts? Also, question for Steve. Yes. Sorry, I'm out of Pearl Jam questions. No. Womp womp. But there is a question. As somebody who was there live. Who had the louder pop, Hogan or Warrior? Oh, Hogan. Or was it pretty? Or was it pretty much even? No, it's Hogan. It's Hogan. So yeah. the other question, and that's is, no bias or anything. It, Hogan was definitely the louder pop. You could tell on TV yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but of course there is a pop when Warrior wins. Um, what was the other question? Um, oh, did Hogan steal? Yeah. No, 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 no. That had to happen. If if Hogan just disappeared. No, no way. They had it. That's the whole idea of two baby faces, no matter who it is, shaking hands after the match. If, if nobody's turning heel, that has to happen. No matter who it is. If Tito Santana fights Coco Beware at Madison Square Garden, they shake hands after the match. It's just Hogan haters that, that do yeah. that type of thing. And here's the yeah, thing. No. You could interpret it whatever way you want. If you want to interpret it as Hulk stealing his thunder, they shouldn't have done it. Or if you want to hurt, interpret it as, oh, Hulk's passing the torch. Fine, but the bottom line is the reason they did it was because it's a, it's something you do in the business in a, in a face versus face. You're passing the torch. It's It, it was there not for the reason of upstaging him. When yeah, they, th- 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 but that, then if he, if he didn't do it, they'd be saying – Oh, he didn't. You know, he didn't shake his hand. He's Hogan's an asshole. He didn't give. He didn't hand over the belt. It would be lose lose with with the Hogan haters. You like know what I mean? Vince and Bruce and Pat and whoever else was booking this was in on this decision. This is what they wanted. They wanted yeah. Hulk to then give the stamp of approval to the new champ. Didn't work, but they tried. the Hulk dust. Hulk tried. Yeah, he wanted to sprinkle the Hulk dust. He tried. Yeah, but Warrior sucks. Okay, and uh, all right. So you answered that, and. Uh, 
And uh, Brain of Jay. Right? Didn't she ask what my favorite song was on Yield? Or did I imagine that? Yeah, uh, I think you imagine that. Oh, okay. You want me to keep going? Yeah, absolutely. You're Kevin all we got. Nutley. We don't have anything. In oh, we all got today? No. All right. Kevin from Nutley. Okay. Guys, now... Hey, Kevin. Guys, nowadays, the internet likes to say that they were the first person to get tired of Hogan's act and hated him since 1993. Mm. When this match was being promoted, I remember everybody rooting for Hogan. People yep. liked the Ultimate Warrior, but I can only remember one person rooting for him during that match. What are your memories of the general fandom during that time? This is a good question. Yes. Also, question for Steve. But oh. Dave, feel free... But Dave, feel free to chime in. No. A big a, a big deal was made about the distance from the locker room to the ring. Oh Wrestlers my God. Were, were driven so to the fun. ring and float driven driven to the ring and floats made to look like the miniature wrestling rings. When their ultimate warrior opted to run to the ring, the announcers made a point to wonder if distance might burn him out prior to the match. As somebody that was there alive, what would you say that actual distance from the entrance to the ring was? Well, I have no idea, so you're good. Uh listen. It was fucking <laughs> right, no. far. Everything there, and again, this is through the mind of a 10-year-old, was so big, too big, and the ring was so far. I don't I don't know if I could say it's a football field away. That's probably pretty fair, maybe more. But it just everything then just looks so big and so far. And I got to tell you what, I gassed out walking from my seat to my car and I was walking. I mean, it's far. It's big. It was thank God for those cards, which are awesome by the way. Um, and Hogan should have done that. Not warrior, but whatever. I know Hulk really wanted to do it at three. But he walked out. He walked out too. Yeah. But I mean, he should have been the only one like Piper screwed him over oh, at, yeah. at three, right? He was mad at Piper. Cause he Piper wanted, did first. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to be doing. I one think good. Piper said try to say it malfunctioned or something, so he just ran by. Yeah, it. he's bullshit. <laughs> but okay, but the other question part um, about the people uh, rooting for Hulk and Warrior and how it was in our areas. I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of Warrior fans. A lot of them would do it. I think to bust my balls because I was the biggest Hulk Hogan fan out of a plethora of Hulk Hogan fans, but I was the Hulk Hogan fan. And uh, it was some ball ball breaking going on there, but when it came um, came down to it, we took a poll in class the next day. You know, the next day after WrestleMania, and I brought the tape in. What would you say is in a fourth grade class? Twenty people? Yeah, about that. Uh, two wrote down the Ultimate Warrior on a piece of paper, and eighteen wrote uh, Hulk. So uh, there's there's the answer to your question. But some some of these, not every person in this class, remember, is a wrestling fan. So of course you're gonna put Hulk. You know what yeah. I mean? If you know it's Hulk. anything about right. wrestling, you know Hulk. Yeah, so you got you got to be fair to the warrior in that aspect. But yeah, he was. Uh, it, it always was kind of like seemed like always like the ball busting type kids, the dickheads, uh, somewhat to a degree that that the people took to who the uh, ultimate warrior, the same people that rooted for the Bills in Super Bowl twenty five instead of the Giants, just to be that, yeah. to be that way. Same people yeah. who rooted for the Vancouver Canucks instead of the Rangers nineteen ninety four finals. You know, there's always those people, dickheads like Chat rooting for the Braves instead of the Yankees in the <laughs> World Series. Now, I'm right with you there on that one, Chat. Uh, no, look, there's always going to be contrarians. Sometimes they're just truly fans of those things, and sometimes they're just going the other way to go the other way because that's. My friend Ron was a true Ultimate Warrior fan, so I'll give that to him. But that's all about the only person I know that was a big uh, 
Ultimate Warrior fan was continued to be. Well, in West Seneca, New York, I will tell you, in the halls of Northwood Elementary, um, there was nary a Warrior fan to be found. People liked him, you know what I mean? But they liked him like they liked all of the good guys. Hulk, they liked like they liked the Sabres or the Bills or whatever. You know what I mean? Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he was like another one of your favorite sports teams. Yeah. You know? And, um, yeah, I think, like, Hulk, you liked like you liked your favorite football team. And Warrior was someone you liked, like the team that was playing the team in your division that week. You know, like I'm a big Saints fan, and the 49ers were in a division that then. So I would cheer for the Saints, and then I would cheer for whoever was playing the 49ers. But it's a different enthusiasm level, the Saints versus Gussie team versus the 49ers. But I don't know if you get that analogy or not because you're not a sports guy. But, yeah, I think that there was no there was no true – at my school, there were no true Warrior fans. There was only Hulk fans. There were people who liked the Warrior, but it's different. Nobody came yeah, to school they, in a warrior T-shirt. People came to school in Hulk Hogan shirts all the time. Right, right. Yeah, we had we had some we had some uh, some warrior wildness over here, but it didn't, nothing, nothing could never compare to Hulk, Hulkamania. And um, you know, ninety three wrestling just went down. It wasn't Hogan. You know what I mean? Like wrestling just wasn't popular anymore. We got older. We so moved on to other things. Or whatever. People moved on. Well, I, I didn't, but I mean, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, the fun, no, I, I moved on at a strange time when people were coming back in. I was kind of going out until Hulk came back and fought the Rock. You know, the Attitude Era. I kind of, I kind of went out on it a little bit. You weren't into but, the um, NWO stuff though. Oh, no, oh, I'm not counting that. I'm counting WWF. Oh, well, uh, oh, no, you're I, wrestling. Uh, WWE I stuck with until uh, the Russo Hogan things. I, I thought it was real, even at twenty years old. So then I stopped watching that. So I pretty much, I think I started watching WWF again a little bit uh, after that because I liked the, uh, what Kurt Angle was doing in the summer of two thousand, and it was kind of like uh, here and there watching it, and, you know, not religiously. But then once Hulk came back and blah blah blah, you know, then it was a different story. All right. Uh... Last thing to do tonight, next show, Dave. What are we doing? Tell them. Well, we're going to take a look at uh, arguably two of the greatest of the, the arguably the two greatest of all time, Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair in their first ever televised match from uh, not nationally televised, but televised nonetheless on the MSG network right here in New York City as Hulk Hogan takes on the Nature Boy Ric Flair in Madison Square Garden, November thirtieth. 1991. Woo! Now, if you want to get yourself ready for this one, per se, um, I did a Place to Be Nation flagship show on this very show. Um, And I know it's linked on my Facebook, and obviously you can find it if you go through the Place to Be Nation archives. Um, But I've done this show before, um, and it came to mind that I really enjoyed this one as like a Madison Square Garden one that we could do. Um... I was in the mood to do something with Flair. I was also like we did a lot in that early '80s era, uh, and now we're kind of moving into the '90s era a little bit. Maybe we'll dance here for a little bit. Maybe we'll bob and weave and get out yeah, of here. Th- this one falls right in between Survivor Series '91 and Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, those three three hits at once, bang, bang, bang. What was the date again on it on the show? November thirtieth, ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah, November. So that's Thanksgiving time. 
It's two days, two or three days, yeah, two days after, yep. right? Two days after Hulk lost the belt to The Undertaker. 15,000 in attendance. Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan, Lord Ethel Hayes on the call. Some of the other wrestlers, Bret Hart is there defending the Intercontinental title. Um, the Nasty Boys are there. Um, it's a good card. It's a fun it's a fun show. I'm looking forward to doing this one with you, Dave. Can't wait. All right. Uh, with that said, there's only one thing left to do, Dave, and that's to ask the fans to say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother! Brother!